0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Connor. We're going to talk about um, <laughs> either one or two books, or both. Probably, probably we should call it uh, a show about The Weird and the Eerie by Mark Fisher but I read uh, Capitalist Realism right before. Um, you, you, I'm 99% sure that you were the one who suggested this book. Is that correct? Uh, yep. Yeah,
1: that's right. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, it makes sense. <laughs>
1: I think that was when we were talking about um, that John Bucken story. Uh,
0: Grover of or
1: No, it was um, Watcher by the Threshold. Watcher by the and, Threshold, uh, right. Yeah, which uh, has good amounts of both weirdness and eeriness mm. in it. And um,
0: all right, yeah. I-, I need to test you because I I don't know the answer to this, and I want you to tell me. You've read The Willows by Algernon Blackwood. Is yeah. this a weird st- a weird tale or an eerie tale?
2: Hmm.
1: I would say it's both, and um, mm-hmm. because there are some elements of eeriness, mm-hmm. but then I would also say there are some uh, supernatural elements to that story, which would probably come under weirdness. Mm. So I'm thinking, um, the, uh, the parts in that story where he's seeing, um, like this, I remember a great sort of column of souls or uh, ghosts or something going up into the sky. Mm -hmm. That could be a hallucination, but it's, um, but if it's a real thing, that would be weird. Yes, I would say, mm-hmm. um, because it's totally different from our understanding of the world and what is happening. It's an intrusion it's really... from
0: outside is I think what he would say. Yeah, right?
1: exactly. But then there's stuff like when, um, they're on the river and he sees, uh, I think it's an otter,
2: mm-hmm. like
1: a, an animal, but mm-hmm. it looks a bit like a body and he can't tell whether a man, there's a yeah. corpse in the river or whether it's an animal that is eerie. Mm. Right. Um, because uh, it's an
0: absence as, as opposed to a presence as. is the way I'm classifying yeah. it in mind just to understand it a little better. So
1: eeriness is about what isn't there, and weirdness is, is about what is there? Yes, yeah, I would say so. And but also, I think eeriness, in my definition mm-hmm. um, that I took from this book, I think uh, the, it's the absence of something, but it's also about a sense of agency mm. in a situation, right? So in the willows, there is this kind of sense of like there's... There's something, something going, going on. on. Right. Yeah, there's a force, um, whether that's, uh, you know, supernatural or whatever, some sort of animal or something, it's, it's unknown. And that's what, that's what creates the eeriness. Um, and uh, I think that's a really important distinction because um, the benefit uh, to me of defining these things, of defining weird and eeriness... Is that then you can kind of build concepts on top of them? Yeah. And I've sort of built a concept on top of eerie, or at least a hypothesis on the definition of eerie that very much involves, uh, like the lack of, um, of, that very much involves agency, right?
2: Mm.
1: Um, so you know how I was writing this uh, essay on folk horror.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, um, part of the reason. I was reading a lot of this book is because I think the kind of origin of folk horror comes from eeriness and that sense of agency. Right. Right.
0: And a disconnection sort of, between us is what he was sort of emphasizing, right? So there's these ruins in yeah. the forest and it meant something to somebody, but it doesn't mean anything to us. Or what exactly. it means to us yeah. is is best captured by the word eerie because we're yeah, yeah. culturally disconnected from it
1: yeah and um and disconnected through time um, but whatever the agency was that built you know these ruins or Stonehenge or whatever that is is uh kind of inscrutable but undeniably there mm. um so so in that sense, I would say uh folk horror is an eerie genre <laughs> right as a genre of film yeah. but not a weird genre at all yeah so that's why I think this um distinction between them and defining these things is, is actually quite important in, well, to literary criticism. Oh, it's yeah. Important. It's a very interesting, <laughs> um,
0: very, very interesting book. It's funny. I started laughing there because I just suddenly, uh, I thought of a David Lynch movie that he didn't talk about. He talked about at least two, he talked about Twin Peaks a little bit. Um, and this this book is is really interesting because, honestly, I've read almost at least half of everything that he's he's met, he mentions and i mm. i've listened to almost none of the music that he talks about at all but i've seen most of the movies or thought i had seen most of the movies that he talks about and so it was it was kind of weird like seeing oh, man, yeah, i think that's the right word it's kind of weird that this book presented itself because every time uh, he presents, you know, I'm not seeing it on the page. I'm listening to it every time he presents the new chapter. I'm like, this is going to be something I'm familiar with. And then it would be that, right? And I'm like, wow, that's, mm. that's, that's eerie. <laughs> it's <laughs> weird that, it, that, that, that we're following a similar path. And then, you know, seeing this guy's uh, life path ending in 2017. Um, mm. you know, uh, and, and the fact that his first book or the first of the two that I read, uh, where he talks about sort of the, <laughs> the, it's a despairing title. What it's it's capitalist realism. Is there any alternative? Any alternative? <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, yeah, dude. Anyways, I, I just want to bring up a point. Um, there's a movie called Blue Velvet, where yeah, yeah, it, you know, Macaulay McLaughlin's walking down the the suburbs or whatever, and he sees some ants on the grass doing something, and he, and he leans over, and then we get to see what he's seeing and it's a human ear right yeah of mm-hmm. like he looks around and like there's no guy standing there with a missing ear right and i'm like is this weird or eerie and then i'm, I'm oh yeah eerie,
1: because <laughs> it's,
0: <laughs> 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 it's literally got an ear
1: but also yeah. <laughs> it is
0: eerie because that didn't happen by accident right you don't find no you, you find like walking down the this is the sort of thing you're, you're walking down the road on the side you know sidewalk or whatever and you see like a sock right mm. that's not eerie <laughs> it's a sock right it's no. it, probably some kid like was uh, dangling their foot out the window right you sometimes see like clothing or shoes right there's a mm. uh, a great short film called How They Get There um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, have you did I send you this at some point
1: no, I don't think I've ever it's, seen
0: it. Oh, it's great. It's like seven minutes long or something like that. And it's basically a recipe on how to... Uh, it's used in film classes to, you know, test students and stuff. But it's a great little film, and it just explains how shoes get found on the side of the road. Yeah. And it's completely yeah. wordless. Um, it's just a it's a boy-meets-girl story, and they have some fun. And then he's not paying attention, he gets hit by a car and... Uh, you see it ultimately ends where it began with a shoe on the, on the road. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so it's not like it, that's turning something that's sort of normal, right? The fact that, Oh, it's curious that shoes are sometimes found on the side of the road, but it's not eerie, but finding a human hmm. ear in, in a suburb on the grass of a, a lawn and, you know, everything, it's eerie. Uh, it, it literally is eerie, uh, because it, We know something happened, but there's no, you know, I don't even remember in the film if he actually finds out about, I know there's lots of other stuff going on that's very distinctive and such, but um, I don't think there's any supernatural agency involved in that film. It's just um, uh, personalities and, uh, you know, maybe infected with evil or something, but um, that is a, a typical example of an eerie scene, I would say. Mm. even though it it's got that pun i didn't mean to bring that into it but it's just so it, it literally and what's funny here is in his exploration of this book i'm i was like well what's the difference between them right cuz i you know there's a magazine called weird tales and there's a, there was a comic uh called eerie and i'm like think they're they're sy- synonyms right and they are synonyms but we actually do use eerie for some things that we don't use weird for like Mm. she was so rude that's weird right
2: yeah yeah but uh, but what the fuck
0: was that sound oh my god it it stopped did you hear that that's eerie right Mm. and it's not just like literally because we're hearing it but sound seems associated with eeriness in a way that uh, manifestations in front of you aren't
1: yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, agreed with that. Um, I think, uh, I don't know whether this is the first time anybody has gone into defining these concepts, um, as, uh, in detail as Mark Fisher has. Um, cause I think like what you said before about they they have been interchangeable. We mm. do use them separately. Mm-hmm. They have a slightly different meaning. But really, I think if you looked it up in a dictionary, they're very, very similar, if Mm -hmm. not the same definition. Um,
0: But when you read, like, Ghost Tales magazine, right, which was a magazine, it's full of ghost stories. Now, there are some mm -hmm. ghost stories in Weird Tales, but not very many. Like, if you start looking for them, almost none of them are actually ghost stories. That's because Mm -hmm. the magazine has, uh, or the editors, uh, are thinking about what they mean more than we are as readers. But me, when I first discovered Ghost, Ghost uh, Stories magazine, I was like, this is going to be more like just more Weird Tales. Great. Right. But even the magazine Strange Stories doesn't have the same contents, you know, some of the same authors, but the contents aren't identical to Weird Tales. And it's not just that they're not paying as much. There's, there's something to like, um, the, the analog doesn't give you the same sense as Astounding does, but, Eerie is different than, mm. than, uh, weird. But weird seems more common, if you know what I mean. Whereas eerie yes. is, is like, uh, that, that, you know, you can have a weird interaction, right? It, it's like sort of a misunderstanding or something. And I'm not like, you know, saying you go out in the woods and you, get into a beef with the hobgoblin. I'm saying like you can have weird interactions I- in your daily life. Um but most of the time there's an explanation that we're perfectly accepting of it. We just it's just unusual. And notice that's a synonym mm. for weird whereas I don't I don't think eerie and unusual are at all the same.
1: Yeah, no. Um Yeah, I think uh like you said before weirdness is more common in stories and films. Um, and eeriness is a bit harder to come by. Mm. Um, I was thinking that's because it's so hard, right, to actually create that sense. It's set, like there are very few times I've actually seen it done in films. Agreed. Um, or even in books. It's such a subtle thing. Um, it's easier to be shocking. And I think weirdness is, in a sense, um, shocking. Um.
0: That's, what, that's what he's saying. There's a quote here mm. uh, from the Wikipedia entry on the Weird and the Eerie. Fisher's posthumous book, The Weird and the Eerie, explores the titular concept of the... See, it's already weird, or it's already eerie because he wrote it after he's dead. Amazing. Fisher's posthumous book, The Weird and the Eerie, explores the titular concept of the weird and the eerie through various works of art defining the concept as radical narrative modes or moments of quote-unquote transcendental shock. Which work mm. to decenter the human subject uh, that that needs to revisiting, decentering the human subject and denaturalize social reality. And again, that goes back to his other book, Capitalist Realism. I think exposing the arbitrary mm. forces that shape it. And then he he talks all he talks about like yeah, there's Philip K. Dick, uh, picnic at Hanging Rock. Did you did you know about this book before you did your picnic at Hanging Rock show?
1: Oh, this book. Um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think when I read it, and it might have been before that book. Mm. Um, or, or before I made that video about Picnic at Hanging Rock. Um, uh, but honestly, couldn't say. Mm.
0: Um, although I, I, I yeah yeah, uh, I I'm just uh, like go ahead. I'm going through the like the things that he he talks about. It's it, it's almost eerie how much. <laughs> how much uh, yeah. there's crossover and where there isn't crossover it's completely understandable like uh i i just mm. don't really pay attention to music i i i i'm not a musical guy so the you know the fact that he talks a lot about brian eno and uh various al- artists who the full uh, yeah, yeah who are way more obscure i think than brian brian eno's pretty famous for a artsy sort of musician rather than commercial i guess he's commercially successful too but uh he's more artsy in my my limited view but yeah. like even under the skin uh, i haven't seen that but I, I a friend of mine talked to me about that movie forever um uh, mm. because it and is talking about how if you read the book it's totally understandable and if you don't read the book um, it's it, it's much more eerie um, yeah. because the, there's a missing uh, explanation. And even that, he, he talks about how it still works even if you have the missing explanation, but it changes
1: it somehow, right? Yeah, well, um, I think it's better without the explanation. <laughs> I right. haven't read the book, but the film is really fantastic. And I, it was one of the – I think it's one of um, – the really good examples of eeriness, mm. right? Without, mm. there's a, there's a, probably an argument to be made that it's weird as well, but mm. I think mainly the main feeling of that film is eeriness. Yeah, um, as opposed
0: to the Annihilation, which I don't think is, it, it may have moments of eeriness, but it's all about the weird, right?
1: Yeah. Annihilation's, yeah, totally weird. Um, uh, agreed there. Right, um, and you
0: might hear like a noise, but then it's revealed later. What that noise was caused by, right? Like at the end of, at the end of Annihilation, the movie. It's different from the book, but even so, mm. the end of the uh, movie, you actually, if you're paying attention, you're not sleeping during the movie, and your, you know, brain works properly. I think you understand what what was happening, if not why it was happening,
2: mm. right?
0: Yeah. Whereas, um, I I'm not sure that that would be possible to watch Under the Skin, not knowing anything is going on, you know, you you understand something is happening, but what is happening and the explanation for which it it, it would feel like much more of an art film, right? That's that's sort of what I would always think of. Like, I'm watching this Russian movie with all very poor translation. (laughs) They're working with materials that, uh, uh, you know, and a a background assumptions that I do not understand. Uh, And that's why they're, they're all all like, uh, I guess he mentions the Tarkovsky movies, um... Yeah. It, they're, they're like 2001, but
1: uh, in foreign foreign language, right? Yeah. Um... Exactly. Uh... The Tarkovsky movies... I haven't seen Solaris. Or if I have, I've hmm. seen it a there's, long time ago. There's
0: an American remake of it, and there's an audio drama, there's a book, there's an audio yeah, book, yeah. and then there's the Russian film version, which I I, I've seen, and it's it's hard to understand... But it teaches you sort of as it goes, right? Which is awesome.
1: Which yeah, it, 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 it's also incredibly long. <laughs> um, I I vaguely remember starting to watch it and mm-hmm. then getting twenty minutes in, and I was like, oh man, nothing has happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of nothing uh, happening in those Russian Tarkovsky movies. Guy gets on yeah. a train and literally sits on it for twenty minutes, going off into yeah. the Siberia or whatever. Or guy gets he's like his opening credits guy. Guy lying in bed, it's a still shot. We think, no, he's just still lying there. And then mm. he, he he leans up and puts his legs over the edge of the bed, and you think, oh, he's going to get up and go to the bathroom and shave and make nah. some coffee. No, nope, just sits there. <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And um, um. we're left to sit with that, and it's it's a way to go for sure. But um, you have to be trained up for it. And mm. I, I, you know, I, it's easy to be in the mood to watch another. Uh, I don't know, Dwayne Johnson movie, right? There was a, there was a, some spinoff with him in the Fast and the Furious. I I started watching, I'm like, this is garbage. Uh, But if sometimes in a a garbage mood, you know, like uh, when you're sick and your brain's not working properly, that's, you know, perfectly good fodder for passing the time to get out of the pain of being sick. But when you're um, ready and you're in the right mode, uh, and you've trained yourself to f- understand what the experience will be like, then you can certainly appreciate Tarkovsky. But it's, mm. it's, it's, it's difficult, just like 2001 is difficult. It seems like it's going to be easy because it has spaceships and stuff, but you're also spending a lot of time just, you know, seeing a spaceship cross the space and, or sitting, seeing a guy, uh, and they're disconnected with no narrative so we're doing a lot of work
2: it
1: it, it it's it's unusual mm. <laughs> if not yeah, weird you've got to have the right expectations mm-hmm. um it's hard to go into a film without any expectations at times or without even knowing what you're going to get if you like i think it, probably a lot of people went into um under the skin mm. and then went, what the hell is this?
0: Yeah. She, this <laughs> um, is the, this is the actress from, uh, the Marvel movies or whatever. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. Scarlett
0: Johansson. Yeah. So, um, I, am expecting some romance drama or something. Right. And no, that's not yeah. what you get.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or at the very least like, you know, she's going to be like, cause I mean, uh, it's never really quite explained, but it's, she, she may be an alien. Mm. Um, but, uh, you, she, it's a its completely different role than I think uh, any of the other roles I've seen her in. She might have done stuff like this before, but, um, but uh, you or you do need to have that background so you can even start to understand what you're seeing, um, and be ready, right, to sit for a while and not have anything happen and just mm. kind of appreciate the atmosphere of the film.
0: Speaking of which, um, I-, I wanted to let's concretize and go around and come back. Um, you suge- you suggested, uh, by D- D- DM to me that I should do more homework, um, <laughs> by saying what you Did were I? doing. Well, you didn't say it, but I'm like, God mm-hmm. damn it, I can't let this guy out, out homework me. <laughs> so yeah. you, you started, you, you were saying you were watching, uh, the Nigel Neal, um, movie? Was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. The court- Quator Mass in the Pit? Was That's that the right, one you yeah. watched? Okay. And you yeah. were saying you watched the 55. Was that the TV serial? Because I thought there was pieces of that missing.
1: Um, I watched, uh, yeah, I watched the 1955. Was it, was, was it black and white?
0: Yep. Uh, and it was, Qu- yeah, was. Mass in the Pit and it was complete? They must have found the um, missing
1: bits. I, uh, well, I I got what, the what? one from archive.org. Okay. Which was supposedly complete. There was There were no parts in the story which I didn't. Where it felt like it was skipping, but did you have
0: well? Uh, a copy that- I, honestly, I've watched a lot of Quatermass, but because uh, some of it is, uh, as far as I know, some some of it is missing. Like there's, it's a seri- It was a TV serial, and I believe they're missing bits. But let's just talk about what the story is, and we'll see if we are coordinating. I watched the 1967 color adaptation. Uh, it's, by, it's still scripted by Nigel Neal. I think it's the same plot. And Quatermass in the Pit is about a. They're digging a, a subway tunnel underground in London. Yeah?
1: Mm
2: hmm. And yeah, then,
0: that's right. Uh, they think they have found an unexploded bomb. They also found a whole bunch of ape, ape men skeletons from five million years ago. Is this the right one? Yep, that's right. Okay. All right. So maybe the black and white serial, they found the parts for it, and I just didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, let's talk about what happens in it and when does it get eerie and when does it get, uh, uh, well, how, because Weird. there's weirdness <laughs> in it. It's, it's also science fiction, I think. Uh, very much so. Science fiction. And part of that mm. maybe dispels the eeriness, but I'm not sure it fully dispels the eeriness. Because the ending's pretty impressive. For yeah, e- yeah. eeriness. Or at least in the um, version I saw. <laughs> In, yeah. the end, in the in end um, credits, we've got Doctor Quatermass and a lady, uh, sitting, standing, one sitting, one standing, outside of the uh, underground um, dig, the pit, uh, and they're just breathing heavily and staring off at things we can't see. How did how did your serial end?
1: Um, it ended with a really classic nineteen fifties speech by Quatermass, mm-hmm. where he talks about the importance of human spirit and, um, oh positive and going forward enough into flipping. the future. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So not at all that way. No. Um, Interesting. Uh, but this one sort of ended, um, that I was watching basically with like a purge. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, what would you call it? The unconscious sort of, uh, memory, the um, programming. Yeah. Uh, came out everybody and they started killing each other um which was pretty awesome
0: uh, and scary
1: i mean yeah in a way it was low budget so you didn't see a whole lot of that kind of stuff um uh but it was um pretty cool uh
0: so uh, the the discovery of the of the ape men with weird uh heads, (laughs) Heads <laughs> um, is unprecedented, so that's unusual. But it's not eerie, right? Mm. Um, it was it was unusual for sure, and that's why people are excited about it. And uh, not Quatermass, but the other um, scientist guy. He he was doing the. He had been called in first, right? So it, there's actually pre back. Uh, well, not exactly. In the version I saw the '67, we've got the guys digging. Right, they're expanding the underground. Um, they discover a skull mm-hmm. and then they call, there's a sort of a cut, right? And the next thing we see is us, is a, uh, a paleontologist, um, anthropologist sort of guy who sh- shows up and he's like saying, this is a very important find and this is going to change our understanding of evolution. And uh, I'm, I'm pr- pretty confident about this, but there's this government pressure to like reopen the station and, mm. you know, just plow through it. But then they, uh, in their excavations they discover the alien sp- what turns out to be an alien spaceship or a martian spaceship and then uh that's when we meet eventually Dr. Quartermass or Professor Quartermass a who ha- who is a, a rocket program guy and his he's been paired up with a military guy and the government's saying your civilian rocket program, government-funded, is now a military program. You two have to work together. And is this how yours went?
1: Uh, yep, yep, exactly.
0: Okay, and it, it, I think it was Colonel Breen, B-R-E-E-N is how I'm picturing it in my head. Um, and then they go uh, investigate, and eventually Breen says, this was nothing but what I thought it was, which is an unexploded bomb from World War II. Um, and then when that f- uh, fails somewhat, his theory fails somewhat, um, he says, no, it's a, uh, it's a German propaganda weapon. Hmm. Um, and, uh, th- there's lots of meta evidence outside of, uh, the actual things they find in the ground that this area has been haunted. Is that the right word for it? Uh, for yeah, centuries. Yeah, so. Right. Um, so the, those eerie phenomena that uh, we, we see being referred to in church records and uh, newspaper accounts and such are all explainable by, you know, what's buried in the earth beneath Hobbes End, right? But then uh, mm. when, when Breen uh, insists on doing some drilling or something, uh, it activates the ship, Opens uh, a sealed compartment and the guys uh, uh, discover aliens from Mars that are dead but who uh, make a connection to us. Yeah. Because we are their descendants in a certain sense.
1: Yeah. There's some sort of psychic stuff going on which Mm -hmm. isn't quite. Explained? No, it's not. Um, it's, so that part is totally eerie, right? Except yeah. we we
0: it, we can infer that it's science based because they had a spaceship, even if it doesn't have propulsion. We understand um, mm. knowing that it, they're from Mars and knowing that it's a a, a spaceship, um, which I think we can assume, um, mm-hmm. given the rocket element, right? Um, but w- what I was so interested in, uh, and I guess I didn't notice it before, and I'd seen this before, it's a Hammer movie, a uh, Hammer horror movie, and I'm a big fan of those, um, is that the, the, the connection between what the Martians were doing on their planet um, as sort of their normal behavior and what what we were doing to ourselves – uh, so mm-hmm. the fact that Colonel Breen is assigned to weaponize a a program of, of exploration right um, is a part of the uh, othering of the enemy uh, that's the natural thing and and mm. almost everybody on earth was affected uh, based on proximity right I guess but some of them were, heavily affected and other people like Dr. Quatermass is even, or Professor Quatermass is even affected. And I thought, you know, him fighting, it was, it was almost like a political movie in a way that mm. I, I hadn't seen it that way before. Um, rather than just, you know, science is the solution. It, it's very Doctor Who like in that respect, but, um, it still ends up very eerie because of the things that are unexplained, right? It's mm. a, it's the, it's the Stuff is happening, and then we might get a quasi explanation for it, but it doesn't end with a completely. um, It's not, yeah, it's not a Star Trek episode where you find out why Data disappeared or something, right? Yeah, it 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 doesn't wrap up neatly in the same way, and also offers um, uh, sort of a meta question. Uh, I'm not. Sh- mm. I, 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 and that, I think that's why, uh, like that bo- other book, Capitalist Realism, really connected with me too, because mm. I, I think that th- there's some sort of connection in his brain, Mark Fisher's brain, with seeing the world in the way uh, through this. What, what did he call it? What kind of shock?
1: Existential. Um, uh, it wasn't he didn't use yeah, the word shock.
0: existential. He um, what? Uh, uh, I think Transcendental I think was a- Transcendental
1: Ah, uh, yeah, okay
0: Now, they're, they're related Existential is having to do with, you know, existence But transcendence is um, It's like passing through the veil or something
1: like that, right? Going and, beyond Yeah, uh, and yeah. so
0: it, it, Capitalist realism That book Seems to contend that we might need to despair and the reason mm-hmm. is no matter what we confront capitalism with it just eats it up and says yep we can ha- we can accommodate this right so the the one i couldn't believe i couldn't believe how much time i started seeing mark fisher stuff everywhere um <laughs> which is kind of uh, eerie yeah. but did you see the one where uh, aoc's dress uh she's going to a gala yeah. event in new york um and on the back of her white dress she's written uh tax the rich did you see yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. Now yep. it sounds um, like oh, uh, she's very pro- protesty. <laughs> uh, mm. but she she has a lot of power and she's not using that power to actually do the things that she wants, uh, she claims to want. And the fact that she's got a a masked servant where she's unmasked carrying her train around uh, on her dress like this is This is straight out of the book. And somebody actually literally quoted the book and put an overlay on that image. And I'm like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Once
0: you sort of see um, it, it's hard to unsee it, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, The one thing that really resonated with me um, on that subject was like – so she's kind of – I'm not sure who this lady was, right? But she's sort of commodifying – the resistance to commodifying um, <laughs> or she's she's
0: saying the world uh, yeah so aoc was elected uh, alexandria ocasio-cortez as a justice democrat and if okay. you watch her videos before she became a congressperson and even a little bit after but mostly before, oh so she's she's a, a congressperson. politician oh yes and she's i thought she was a model or something <laughs> right she's the leader of the oh, squad The squad, which is a six um, sort of supposedly left end of the Democrats in Congress, and they had they have the power that the right there's two right end Democrats have that you they Mm. use all the time to stop legislation. Um, And they, you know, AOC is famous for well maybe she's not famous, but there's videos of her saying we need to create a ruckus. It doesn't matter whether I'm a one-term congressperson or not. Only thing that matters is we need to break up these things that are going wrong and as soon as she, like, is in a position, literally in a position to do that, they don't do it. Mm. Uh, so yeah. recently they had, like, a, a housing uh, no kick people out of their homes um, moratorium protest on the steps of the uh you know house of congress and it was an event that they didn't announce like please come attend this rally i need your support it it was just staffers who were mm. there and you had it, it, there's evidence that like she had to apply for permission to do that and the person who could approve it is the person she's theoretically trying to protest against um, mm. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi would be in the position to allow this. So, if you can get a fake protest uh, by asking your boss if it's okay, it's permission to protest because you're on their team calling her Mama Bear, <laughs> sounds like you're on that person's team, and you used to do protests in that person's office and now you protest with their permission, that's not really protest. It's no. accommodation. Um, and it, it's like, you wanted change? I will give you the appearance of change. I will be on mm. your side. But it, it will just so happen to be that mm, we can't get anything done because of those evil Republicans. And this has always been the scam, right? Mm. The, so uh, her going to a gala where she's going to go hang out with billionaires and convince them that they're all wrong by wearing a dress... Yeah that says I'm going to tax you or rather tax the rich is performance rather than action she yeah she could do action in the legislature there was a uh, a vote for the when Biden came in there was a vote for uh, the Speaker of the House right because they had just had a con- congressional election as well and they have to get enough people to vote for that Speaker And instead of holding the person who's wants to be speaker, uh, feet to the fire and saying, we'll vote for you if you give us a vote on Medicare for all during the pandemic, which is something she promised to do if she got elected. She didn't do that. And there was like this Mm -hmm. big fake outla, uh, outrage about how that's not the right thing to do, even though it was in the platform, right? I'm looking at the Canadian federal election that's happening right now. Monday, it's 2 days from now is the Canadian federal election, and all the parties are saying they're going to work on climate change and that they've got a plan. <laughs> but the uh, the two parties that have been in power for the last 100 years put us in this position and they've always had a plan. The plan is to say mm. they have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's not um, it's not to do the things that they claim they don't want to do. And some of them are more honest about it saying, you know, we don't believe it. we do believe in they say we do believe in climate change but we're we're for the pipeline. And the other one says we're for the pipeline only because we can use the money to uh work Combat, on climate. climate exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and, the, and then the third party, which is the one I voted for, it's not it's not great on on uh on climate change either. They're saying we want to work on it which is mm. not saying we're, we we want to cancel the pipeline. I understand wow wha- how this came to be, but that's not a, it's not good when like two are outright lying to you and we accept it and the third is like uh, you know saying we don't want to talk about it because you won't like our answer a lot of you. Mm. Uh, which is is what I think is going on in capitalist realism. The corruption isn't isn't unknown we all know about it now right
2: but yeah, we either choose to uh, ignore can... it
0: or it, it can't seem
1: to be uh undone well um i think even even more than that uh like you said the corruption's kind of known about um but they say Mark the other Fisher teams is kind of more, more other teams more corrupt so
0: we can't do anything about it
1: yeah sorry yeah, you well keep i was thinking Mark Fisher sort of brings up this idea of like almost apathy like people know about it right but it's so hard to rouse people out of this sort of stupor or like it's to even be outraged by it anymore because it is so common and so much um, and uh, and people are aware of it um, if another politician is found out to be corrupt, it's sort of not in, it's not particularly shocking
0: yeah um, like, like the people who voted for Donald Trump they thought he was corrupt
1: right no oh.
2: they,
0: mm-hmm. they, 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 they they but they're also saying he hates the he hates the people oh, i hate <laughs>
1: oh,
2: yeah
0: i that's... hate those people they're the people in charge he is he is totally corrupt and he says i hate the people you hate whereas the other mm. team says there are a lot of people in this country worthy of hate and you know who you are <laughs> All the people who voted for that guy, right? Uh, It's like, wow. (laughs) So it's like, Mm. uh, 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 Fisher says that it was from uh, Margaret Atwood. Uh, Not Margaret Atwood. That's from the second book. (laughs) Margaret Thatcher. There is no alternative. Her pro-market slogan, right? Mm. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So we have to be uh, neoliberals. We have to be capitalists. There's no alternative. And this mm. is under, uh, at the time when, you know, the Soviet Union was still around, there was an alternative. Yeah. It was unacceptable. It was, it was deemed unacceptable. But um, he, mm. he seemed like really engaged with a, mo- a lot of modern uh, philosophers who I don't know that much about. I studied the ancient ones rather than the modern ones myself. Um, but Slava Zizek what? is still around and uh, a few of the others get mentions.
1: But, uh, he talks a lot about um, Derrida, right? Is a it little bit. Derrida? I think so. Um, so yeah, uh, okay. So I'm trying to think how we should, whether we should try and organize these subjects because there's all these different things I want to. They're all talk swirling about. around. Yeah, yeah, go for it. But also, I, you just I just want to jump like uh like I just want to jump to the next thing. Okay. Uh, as well, and um, uh, so but look, um, so capitalist realism um and the weird and the eerie uh do we want to just hit everything as we go or, or, or uh, we wanna, do you want to talk about well, one be, let and let it the other? be
0: organic or, i don't know i i, I okay I don't know. cool organic
1: i think uh with capitalist realism like i if i um i agree with the sentiment even if i don't necessarily agree sometimes with all of the points he's making i very much do think that um the vibe of the thing (laughs) is on point uh and it's a it's a tough book to read uh when you're in like i'm in lockdown right now right right (laughs) um and working from home and it's everything feels pretty horrible in that sense and so reading this book was you know um it's hard to read in that environment because so much of it really does resonate Mm. um but uh when you're talking about the um politicians who are like oh we're gonna shake everything up but then they get in power and they don't um it's uh it reminded me a lot and in this book because mark fish is a very much a music guy yeah um he brings up a lot of good music points as well Mm -hmm. um he talks about how rebellion or um was kind of commodified in music Mm -hmm. uh so, like, I don't know whether you know about this. Um, there's a band called uh, Rage Against the Machine, oh, or there was them. a band, yep. yeah, in the early '90s, and they had uh, all this kind of subversive, or I don't know, maybe not subversive, but um, you know, very much like rebellion. Sure, it's uh, built into the name, <laughs> and uh, yeah, anarchistic sort of stuff. But the irony of it, or what Mark Fisher brings up, is that it was that kind of stuff was essentially made into a product, right, which was then sold um to make money which you know for record uh executives um so there's a is even if the band their feelings came from a genuine place it was made in genuine yes in a way because now you listen to the radio and you hear um you know these songs uh and it's just sort of another that rebellion is just another product yes Uh, That also supports the system. Um, So
0: if Mao suddenly got popular, Mao Zedong suddenly got popular, Mm -hmm. uh, which he's not, right? People today think he's unpopular. But uh, we have t-shirts of, um, uh, what's the Cuban revolutionary guy,
1: Che Guevara? Yeah, exactly.
0: He's he's a little bit like Lovecraft um, in that anybody can do anything with his image and nobody gets in trouble because... You know, yeah. Cubans are uh, pariahs or whatever. So you can use uh, Shea to sell whatever you like. And nobody mm. can stop you. And it helps to sell your shit. There was a, a, an amazing tweet the other day. I, uh, maybe it was one of these capitalist realism connected tweets. It was uh from the Snickers account. <laughs> you know, like Snickers on Twitter. The chocolate yeah. bar. It's a kind of chocolate bar, candy bar, as the Americans call them. Um <laughs> and it was like you have a lot of student debt. Life isn't fair. Uh <laughs> you you've got oh, student no. loans. Um and but everything's looking s- terrible. Maybe you need a Snickers. <laughs> oh my god.
1: <gosh. laughs> and I'm like <laughs> What t- else is there to say? I mean, <laughs> I mean I would need to have a sit down after seeing <laughs> like that. Um <laughs> uh, uh, there's a there's an account called a twitter account called
0: nihilist arby's arby's is a Mm. like a restaurant chain sort of (laughs) not very popular uh it's a popular one but it's not very popular compared to mcdonald's or burger king or whatever uh wendy's maybe it's like fifth tier and uh uh it's just like very yeah nihilist quotes and then it says eat arby's (laughs) Yeah, and <laughs> that's perfectly capitalist nothing realism. Matters. Yeah, that's, nothing matters exactly. Um, you, um, you're all gonna rot, yeah. and and there's no way of stopping the evil that is happening all around you.
1: Eat Arby's. Mm. Yeah. Um. But the reason, I mean, those aren't real ads, right? That's no. Just, no, that's a, that's the Snickers joke. was a real one. The yeah, uh, but The Arby's. The one.
0: Arby's one was. Uh, there's another account, Moon Pie, which is a some. Snack in the states, and they uh, we've got like all these unemployed university grads with English degrees. Where can they work? Nowhere, because there's no place Mm. hiring, and you can't sell your writing if you want to make a living, right? Because Mm. uh, a billionaire in Scotland's got it all locked up in Stephen King in North
2: America.
0: Mm. Um, Rowling and King took all the money out of writing, right there scraping all, all mm. off the cream for themselves so where do these english graduates go they go to work for big evil no. corporations running their twitter accounts and mm. these are smart people but they're mm. forced to sell shit <laughs> so, yeah the moon pies account is like really dynamic and i'm like i'm kind of interested in moon pies now i've never even heard of them but like it's like you're engaging with a corporation. This is evil. But mm. what's, what's the alternative? Starve?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Um, you got to, like, the uh, relentless, um, the need, like, at the bottom of capitalism, right, is, is like, I got to provide for myself. That's right. right. So I need to produce something. And even if I don't want to, I need to go work somewhere. Um, if I don't do that, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be homeless. Um, so
0: and my kids I, are gonna starve, and I can't yeah. put them through school.
1: So it's kind of the it's what keeps the the wheel turning and keeps the structure and the status quo. Um,
0: Along with the propaganda that tells you, you know. Um, it's yeah. those guys who are causing these problems, right? And yeah, th- so I'm on team uh, capitalism because I think one day I'm going to be a billionaire. Uh, yeah. A lot of people, you yeah, know, yeah. there's a – I don't remember who sa- said the famous line, but um, Americans are, are, aren't are poor. They're just temporarily embarrassed millionaires.
1: Yeah. Or um, I've heard a similar version, which is sort of like America, everyone's a millionaire who just hasn't made their millions yet. That's right.
0: That's right. Temporarily like, embarrassed. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen.
1: Right? Yeah. Uh, and so it explains – it goes a certain – it uh, goes a fair way to explaining why people are sort of okay with having uh, an elite class because maybe they'll be part of it they one day. can get into then it. Wouldn't that be pretty um, good? I, I make my um, living
0: from people wanting to put their kids into that track. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not teaching, I'm not teaching them things that like will help them farm or help them sew clothes. I'm teaching them things that will help them get a higher mark so that they can get into a university that wants to take their money and give them a piece of paper, uh, a useless piece of paper in exchange for it. But at yeah. that university, you get to hang out with billionaires who need people to run their Twitter accounts for their products there are many products
1: well um yeah that twitter account or that ad from snickers right yeah um the reason they would do that is i'm sure that that because it resonates yeah well it's an experiment and what they see is they see hey other people are doing this and other people like it maybe we can hijack that because essentially that's a um like, it's a comment on how bad the world is. It resonates with people. Yeah. It's kind of subversive.
0: Yeah. You would say that in this, in the sixties, right? Uh, you, no. you, you might say, uh, don't go to Vietnam. Eat Arby's. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, uh, cause you have to go to Vietnam unless you're, you got a loophole because you have bone spurs or you, uh, you know, there's some, uh, medical excuse you can and- get. Yeah. Or you can move to Canada. You have to go. So. Yeah. Uh, there's something uh, – I think there's – he's really hitting on stuff. So one of the reasons I'm conflating yeah. the two books is I think that the sensitivity to the difference between the weird and the eerie is the same sensitivity as to see, you know, I'm on AOC's team. She speaks for me. Look at her performing what I believe. She literally put on her dress, tax the rich, right? mm and who shes he's she's confronting people with it at at a at a uh gala ball where everybody there is rich she's brave mm. is what but the problem is if she doesn't do those things, then it's just a way to boost your brand, which is what Snickers is doing there. It's not that Snickers sympathizes with the human beings all around. Because it's not a person, right? It can't do that. Mm. But the, even the person running the account is just trying to do their job. So yeah, it, and it, just
1: trying to. And it, there's no escape. They've got to, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe there is a, a an escape, but um,
2: <laughs> well,
0: yes it, that's, I like you haven't hung it. yourself that yet, Connor? That's why you think there's an escape, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know the details of why he he, he killed himself. Assuming it, assuming it was a kill himself. There are well, cases where people are <laughs> not killed themselves, and it's been made to look that way. I, I do not know the details on this particular death. I doubt that that's the explanation. But I did just watch Parallaxia. Did you watch that one as well?
1: I did watch it last night. Good. Um, good. Yeah, uh, it was a, it was a good movie. Um, well, I was thinking like the escape, if the, if there is one, is. Um, like okay suicide's one way the other yep. way i was thinking is like go live in the woods or the forest mm-hmm. and which there are people in australia right it's oh, not it's not really an escape but it's not sort of uncommon um to just people Drop to out. just go out in the bush yeah there's um especially in the country there was a fellow who lived down the road from me when i was uh, growing up on a farm right mm-hmm. and uh he lived in a house that was um built out of like probably just trees yep. that were around the place. It had, it had a dirt floor. Yep. Um, he had a quad bike, right? And uh, he was close enough to the nearest town that he could ride that in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but essentially, it's like dirt cheap transport. Right. But he could probably walk into town if he needed to right. and to buy food and stuff. And that was just how he uh, lived for his whole life right? Uh, until he passed away, which is kind of like dropping out. Yeah. Um, he uh, I don't know what he did for work or money or anything but that's one way to escape having to run Snicker's Twitter account yep um, is to do that it's hard it's uh, hard to find these but, uh,
0: these escapes
1: well that's the thing is that uh, There's it's, it's an alternative made. but it's a really shitty alternative <laughs> like, well, I wouldn't want to I don't know live like that. I mean
0: yeah see he, he's not in the prospect of uh, mar- he's not in the marriage market right? This
1: guy. Uh, yeah, this fella. This, <laughs> no.
0: He's not in the marriage market. Um, women, they tend to like to have, um, linoleum floors, at least. Dirt floors yeah. are a little harder to upkeep. On the other hand, you don't have to buy a Roomba. <laughs> right? That's true. Which means yeah. you need a job. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, the, I'm a very, very lucky person. I sort of lucked through my whole life. I, I guess a lot of us have done that so far. But, um, I, I don't have to participate in a lot of the things that I don't like about education. Like, marketing. Mm. I do a little bit of it, um, uh, but I think it's a mistake. I think I shouldn't be doing it, but it's very hard to explain this to um, parents. It's very hard. To, they don't understand it, right? Um, and I'm not saying it's boring. It is boring. There's that, too. But uh, a lot of the things that are related to commodification of education, uh, are because we set these artificial barriers up and then to c- communicate difficult truths, <laughs> not only requires the right words, it also requires the right mindset and to get someone into the right mindset is, is, it takes a lot of words and a lot of time. And in that time they need to eat and they need to be warm. <laughs> Mm. And they need to be protected from uh, future, future fears, which is all very hard. And the idea of, like, escaping that. So, like, that book, The Weird and the Eerie, is, came about because of they were doing something commodifying, right? The, Mark Fisher and another guy were, like, looking for uh, shooting a film. And they wanted to look at the Mm. place where they're going to film it. They went out into the woods, out into the wilderness, uh, if there is any in the UK, right? Out away from uh, the books and away from the city, and looked at the landscape. This is, uh, Mm. you know, how the Romantics do, do their stuff too, right? The Romantic poets. They're rich enough that they could afford in you know, sound like Mark Fisher is employed as a professor somewhere. That means he has a job that's relatively stable, at least at one point. And then they went out in the woods and then they experienced these things. Now the thing is, is everybody can go out in the woods and experience things. But for the mo- most people, they don't go home and then write a big long book about it. Or even in this case, mm. a nice short book, right? So there's some connection, I think, between the sensitivity of certain people. And I'm not saying, you know, there's people who are better than other people. I'm just saying there's some people who are really sensitive to some things. And then there's the the vast majority of people who are relatively insensitive to those things. Like the difference between the weird and the eerie We're talking about, using mm. the word weird, uh, you know, with regards to, <laughs> I don't know things outside of uh, conversations you have. with uh, Maybe, maybe, uh, I don't want to overstate the case, but basically I'm saying he's really sensitive to stuff, and the people he's pointing to are really sensitive to stuff. H.P. Lovecraft, Philip K. Dick. There's a reason I have a lot of shows on them. They're connected in a way that is not obvious. Right? Mm. Really not obvious. But um, it to me, it was surprising, like, oh, this story... Would fit into that thesis he's going for, and he probably hadn't read that short story. He talked about uh, *Time Out of Joint*, a novel. Um, but mm. Philip K. Dick has a ton of short stories where mm, that's uh, that's incredibly a good example of it. And he talks about H.P. Lovecraft stories and and how they're not really horror stories and they're not fantasy stories; they're weird stories. And, yeah, mm. and I'm thinking they generally are weird. I mean, there's some eerie things that happen in Lovecraft stories, but mostly it's weird, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I... go. Uh, can you explain your own psychology and your own drawing to this? Because you're talking about living in the countryside and seeing this guy, mm. and he's
1: opted out. Do you know why he opted out? Um, I think a lot of people, well, to be honest, I think in the country, um... Like, there's, there's a lot more poverty sure. than people probably expect. And mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of people grew up, this fellow would have grown up, probably born in the 1920s,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, grew up through the 50s. This was still when uh, um, Australia is like a vast place. It's so spread out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, these kind of small towns are sort of like, a little kind of enclave, often surrounded by just massive tracts of land. Sure. Thousands of kilometers there.
0: of of no people.
1: Yeah. He was talking about
0: Canada like, as being depopulated. I thought a lot of Indians wouldn't like that, but <laughs> he's from England, so mm. he doesn't know that. Uh, when he was talking True, about yeah. uh, in in uh, the Weird <laughs> and the Eerie, one of the...
1: Well, compared to England, right, so many places are completely depopulated. Yes. Right? Yes. Like... Or or unpopulated
0: uh, is another way of putting
1: it. Yeah. But um, but this fella, I think it's probably more just like he was kind of left behind in a way, which is that um, he stayed there, right? And he probably couldn't get a job because there are no jobs there. Sure. Um, He had some amount of support, probably from uh, welfare. Um, And then so he was able to uh, spend some money on... Gas and um, groceries. Yeah, on a quad bike. He probably owned the land yeah. from the like 1950s when you could buy land yep. <laughs> and own it outright. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he had this house that was there. And it's sort of like, well, I don't have to pay for rent. Um, I have some income which I can use to buy food. Uh, if I don't do anything. I'm pretty much set. I can just live here. Mm-hmm. And as he got older, it's sort of like uh, he didn't – he almost didn't have the possibility of moving. Um,
2: yeah, so no, you have to build up literally
1: capital, up. right? Yeah, to do that. Um, is his, is exactly. his lot
0: worth enough money to get him a nice condo in downtown by a hospital so he can – no,
1: right? Hell no. <laughs> um, yeah, or, or even you know, as he got older – uh, I don't kind of remember the end of this guy's story, but I believe he died in the house. He just got older and older <laughs> until that's he either wasn't really able to take care of him. Nope. Yeah, but, um, but he didn't have any alternative. And I think that's really why he had dropped out. Um, so um, that was probably it. Out of my high school class mm-hmm. of um, or my cohort uh, literally everybody moved away right. from the country right there's no there's no one that I know of who stayed there because you can't stay there. it's um capital demands you know, that you move yeah
2: there's the um, I mean, demands
0: you, that you move it's it is crazy there, yeah. the, people talk about how we're uh, in the states, especially they're in a mobile society and people move from state to state. Uh, actually, what you want to do in real life is you want to stay close to the, your family members. That's what you want to do. But capital doesn't allow it. That would be it, really good. Right? Mm. It doesn't allow it. You have to move across the country because that's where your your job is and there's no work where you are. You have to move. Exactly. Yeah. You have no choice. Mm. And and so the uh, he makes some really deep connections between, you know, in talking about the various movies and plots and such uh, about whether, you know, choice is real and that sort of thing, which I think is um, <laughs> very apt right? Yeah. Um, well, as, uh, thinking of, like, the, the example from uh, Quatermass in the pit, right? It's not that Quatermass wants to kill all the people around him. That's just what humans do, right? That's why mm. the, the, the... There was, like, sort of three people in the movie who are either deeply affected, partially affected, or wholly affected. Um, so Quatermass mm. is in the middle, and then there's the the anthropologist, paleontologist uh, guy who is unaffected, basically, by the uh, spaceship's memory transmissions into your brain or activation or whatever, programming. And then there's Breen, who – he's uh, in the army. That's his job. He's literally thinking how to kill the enemy and how to dominate, Right. Mm. And then in between, you've got um, a guy who's like, I'm a rational being, but I'm also compelled to do these things. Uh, so uh, some people being immune, are those the ones we must kill? He's sort of, um, it's, 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 everybody's on, on, on team uh, lynch, L-Y-N-C-H, mm. lowercase. So we all have to go kill that guy who doesn't believe in lynching. This is a uh, uh, mm. Philip K. Dick story called <laughs> The Hanging Stranger, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he, t- he mentions I, yeah. uh, the, the other one that's very similar. Um, <sighs> body Snatchers, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm. right?
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. So now I'm thinking of several ways, mm-hmm. several things I could sort of bring up. Um. We'll take all the roads. So, alrighty. I was going to say, um, in The Weird and the Eerie, he brings up that uh, capital is an eerie concept. Yeah. Right? It's kind of conjured from nothing. Yep. Um, but it directs everything. And it's the invisible um,
0: hand, literally.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, like, whether, and it creates this sort of, uh, these structures in society that sort of, uh, are really shadowy, and I don't mean shadowy in terms of there's some sort of like a secret society running everything, mm-hmm. but it's more like um, the way it influences people uh, is is eerie, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's some of the some of the uh, books and films that he brought up, um, like the Parallax View. Let's talk about that. Uh, one. Yeah, well, that's that, that's a good one, and then also I think there's. Um, he brought up this series of films called the red riding trilogy, which I've w- watched the first one. And they're very similar in a sense um, to the parallax View, you in that they give you a, uh, a view of this overarching structure. There's some sort of a conspiracy or if not a conspiracy, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're never given a uh, conclusive Um, explanation of everything. Like in the parallax view, there's sort of like something's happening.
0: We Uh, figure we sort of have our theories at the end, right?
1: Yeah, but who kills him, right? Was he set up? Did he just happen to be that? Because my uh, take on that movie was, okay, when he fakes his own death, from that point on, no one should really know he existed. Um, He's going to try and catch the assassin but then at the end somebody steps in and shoots him, mm-hmm. which kind of implies that they planned that he was going to be there and he was the full guy. Yeah. So um, let's
0: let's talk about go right back to the opening scene, right? Where they're they're climb mm. they're in Seattle, they're going up the I don't know, Space Needle. The Sky it's Needle. The Space yeah. Needle it's called, right? So yeah. they, uh, there's a parade and I I swear I'd seen this movie, but I either blanked it out and have been you know, programmed out of it, but I swear I'd seen it. I actually had it on my hard drive, right? So uh, I remember watching it, but when I watched it this time, I'm like, this doesn't seem very familiar, but uh, that's just a little, a little eerie, but <laughs> not, uh, you know, it's not impossible. I've seen a lot of movies. So in this, we see a uh, parade. There's a politician. Uh, we figure out it's a politician on the, on a, um, uh, float. It would be a, uh, I think it was a local the- fire fireman, you know, horse-drawn carriage sort of thing. And he was glad-handing mm-hmm. people. And I, I, for some reason, I thought he's going to be shot at any second, right? Because I've seen movies like this before. I thought he'd seen this movie. Um, no, he doesn't get shot there. Instead, they go up the Space Needle, um, and we actually briefly see our main character who's tries to go up there, and he gets rebuffed. Um, I guess he gets up there later, um, and while he's up there glad-handing people at a party, a waiter pulls out a gun and shoots him while he's giving a speech. Mm. They chase the waiter uh, around, um, and he ends up falling from the Space Needle, right? He's dead. Um, yep. But there was also another waiter there who also pulled out another gun, and I thought, oh, he's this- the second shooter. But that's not. I don't think that's what he was, right? I think he was there to shoot the first shooter. Second, yeah. <laughs> he is like. Mm. So, are you? How familiar are you with JFK's death?
1: Um, I know the basic facts. I know there's the idea of the second shooter right? the grassy knoll. Right. Um, so it's it's engaging a little bit with that, right? It even sort of
0: calls yeah. out the fact that there have been a lot of political assassinations. This movie's from 1974. Um, this stuff is still very fresh in people's mind. Um, so, uh, the basic story is, um, this guy, I can't, I can't remember his name, um, gets shot, uh, shoots the president, then he gets caught, and then, uh, another guy shoots him on his way to the courthouse. And he, while he's on his way, uh, this, um, guy who's dying of cancer, um, and he was a gangster... Uh, named Jack Ruby shoots him, uh, shoots the, uh, Oswald is the guy, right? Oswald saying, right. I'm a patsy. I didn't, uh, it wasn't me, right? Uh, yeah. and then, uh, the story is, yeah, uh, even though we've found wounds inconsistent with, with one bullet, uh, and we actually find the bullet lying on the gurney and that bullet is undeformed at all you know like there's lots and lots of evidence that this is bullshit this the official story is bullshit um Mm. so i think this sort of picks up from that and that uh when eventually i I was amazed how good the movie is because 40 minutes into it uh, almost the exact halfway mark i suddenly know what the movie is going to do like, the plan, mm. uh, unlike watching that uh, Hobbs and Shaw movie, uh, Fast and Furious, starring <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, where, like, I can see everything that's going to happen, and it's going to be boring as fuck, because I've seen it all before, and it's unvaluable, right? It's just brainless entertainment for while well, you're sick. And I wasn't mm. sick when I was trying to watch it, so I'm like, this is garbage. Um Unlike that, this movie finally says, I- I'm going to put you on a path that you might be able to recognize. He says, I've got a theory. Um, I'm going to infiltrate the, the group that, uh, did that assassination because there's been, the number of deaths just keeps climbing. And when his, his ex-girlfriend, uh, comes to him for help and he doesn't, uh, respond and she dies. Mm-hmm. He's now. It's like he's. Uh, he can't ignore. It's, that it's exactly, and that that uh, putting him in that position makes it so that there is no other responsible party he can turn to, right? Mm. If he goes to the cops and says, "Look into this," he's just dealt with the cops, right? The very first scene in the movie with him after the three years expires uh after the uh, initial assassination is him deceiving the cops who are after him to find a source right so he can't mm. trust the cops he knows this so he can't turn to the cops who can you rely on only yourself it's like it's almost like this movie is about science you know like i read all the uh, all the papers in the the scientific papers on ivermectin and there's a lot of evidence meta evidence that it works Um, Mm. However, I've not actually done any of these science experiments for myself, so I have to rely on the judgment of this organization and my own intuition as to what these facts mean, right? The Mm. fact that this drug uh, is a a generic drug that nobody profits from its sale and use as a a medicine, to me, is evidence in its favor that it works, not evidence in its favor that it doesn't, because... They would, there's nobody to push it, right? No company's going to mm. make billions selling this drug. But what are we hearing about the COVID vaccines? We need a third one. Maybe we need a fourth one. Why mm. would that be? Well, because there's massive incentives to sell these drugs. Even mm. if they're FDA approved or not FDA approved, that doesn't really matter. The important is you need to sell these drugs. So we have to do our own investigations. And we are, we are the ones ultimately responsible because if we don't take that responsibility, then we are subject to the capitalist forces that are all around us. Snickers telling me what to do with my money and telling me I need mm. money to get the Snickers, right? It, so yeah. there is, is there's some connection so that, you know, the tenuous connections, uh, that are seen in the film, uh, are only partially available to us. Um, because there's no narrator telling us and wrapping it mm. all up and telling us how it, how it all is. That's why it's a good movie, right? Is that it allows a lot of participation from the reader. There are some scenes and some, uh, things I could point to if I was rewatching, uh, it with you. I would point to, like, there's this guy who sees him, uh, walking out of a place, right? When he deceives, um, uh, his handler, uh, s- sends him on a, um, a snipe hunt to Hawaii, right? You're going to take this plane you're going to take my first flight to Maui. Then you're going to go to this hotel. There's $200 for you at the desk, right? All of that stuff. It's, it's fun. But if we're not paying close attention to the details of the faces all around us that are hard to watch, like at Mm. the end, I was, I was watching the, uh, the guy who was driving the last politician. And I was thinking, is that the same guy who's driving the, the politician in the first part of the film? And I didn't know the answer, mm. but I wanted to go back and compare. But in real life, you can't do that, right? When something eerie mm. happens or something strange, unusual, weird happens, uh, it's usually what makes it weird or eerie is that it is an unusual event that is difficult to replicate. And that's mm. those are the things that science is worst at, right? Hmm. It's the things that are easy to replicate that we can, we can test. And yet w- mm. we are meat meat robots with computers in our heads, and we're doing our best to understand. And there's lots of forces outside of us telling us what we're seeing and how to frame it. Mm. So I think there is a like a strong connection, even though it's not obvious, between these yeah. two books.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. The the um, example you brought up about vaccines and such is kind of like an interesting example of the eeriness of capital, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't think, uh, I mean, I don't know enough about it, but um, because say like hypothetically, yep. I don't think there would be any sort of a conspiracy for one vaccine or another vaccine or to um, maybe suppress some other like if if there's a generic drug that works to suppress that, I don't think that there's a sort of overall conspiracy, but I do think people are motivated by gaining capital, and that kind of directs things. Um,
0: but but the corporations it, themselves are vehicles for un is like free floating motivation, right? So you s- sort of ally yeah. yourself with a with a team, uh, a corporate mm. team, and their job is to win win uh, football games, right? so uh it's it's a little bit different in Canada. There are people who are anti vaccination here right um and mm. it's it, it's crazy that I have this strong impulse to say the fact that oh, I'm double vaccinated, which is true, but it's crazy that I feel this strong impulse and the reason I feel like I need to is because people will hear this and think oh jesse's anti vaccination I think vaccinations probably work really great. We've been doing it for mm. about a century now the MR- m r m NRA vaccines are relatively new, but they seem to, you know, provide. Uh, seems to be evidence for it. Um, over the years, we've eliminated a lot of diseases that used to be more common. Like the president, uh, FDR had polio. I ha- didn't have polio, so I think probably vaccines helped with that. Um, on the other hand, there are countries that are outside of the system, like Cuba, and they make. They're making vaccines their own. And they're not doing it mm. because they're trying to sell them to other countries, although they can do that too. It's because they think that these this disease may, in fact, have a detrimental effect on their people and they need access to this uh, treatment and therefore are doing it. Now, Canada buys mm. its vaccines from the states because we have done something over the years, which is, you know, sell off our in- infrastructure and sell our talent to the Americans, giving them our... Our uh, scientists and our um, specialists, and that I think that's dangerous because it can cause problems. But but when you've got all this, like one of the weirdest things that happened, it's not eerie; it's just weird that happened. Um, there was a tweet from like Health Canada saying that they had approved the name changes for the. Th- I think it was the two or three main vaccines used in Canada. Mm. Why are they changing the names of the uh, uh, from, you know, Moderna to something else? Because it's a branding exercise, not because you know the the, the recipe has changed. Mm. It's literally mm-hmm. the same drug; they're just renaming it. Well, what, when do you do that? When something has a bad brand, you just rebrand. That's. Capitalist mm. realism. We got to be real here. Our brand is suffering. We need to change the name. This is why you know the New York Redskins or was Washington Redskins football team. I think they had to change their name recently because it's hurting the brand. Everybody's talking about how it's racist. We got to change the name of the brand. So they do mm. not because they have some ideological commitment, but because it they will help the bottom line. Mm. And if. You are a person who has a problem with you know pr- you know you have a problem that, that you have principles that you don't want to you know cross <laughs> you' break um then you will do badly under capitalism because it, mm. it wants ultimate flexibility we need flexibility from our workers, which means mm. we need you to do less uh do more with less because that makes us yeah. richer. And what's the alternative? You, if you don't like it at Arby's, you can go work at McDonald's. They both pay uh, below you know, the poverty line wages. And so many of the people who are working there aren't kids where it's their first job. They're middle-aged or elderly people. Because it's the only job yeah. that they're qualified for and can get and have time to work at that's relatively close to their age very expensive home that they're living in the basement of their parents because they can't afford, right? It's the re that's the reality. Mm. And then there's a class mm-hmm. of people who live on, uh, rent from other people. And there's a class of people who live on the, you know, stock investments. Hmm. This is uh, it, it, like, I, I, I did not want to buy stocks. I, I, it's a, It's gambling. I understand mm. that there's evidence, but fighting fighting it with my mom, like she says, no, you need to do this. And, and there's tax reasons to do it, right? Like they literally developed it so that more money can go into the pool. I just don't want to – I don't want to think about it at all. I don't want to be involved in it. It's not interesting to me at all.
2: Mm.
0: Not interested at all. I'm also not interested in becoming a bit, Bitcoin billionaire, right? I was interested mm. in Bitcoin because I wanted to understand it. And I did a little mining – And as soon as I got a little bit of Bitcoin, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can keep this here on my computer for no reason, or I can just give it to a website that I use that I really like, and they seem to want it, so give it to them, which is what I did. (laughs) Uh, If you if you are willing to compromise your principles, then capitalism's for you. If you're not willing to, then I think you're going to get smashed in the face by the cops. Is,
1: that's yeah. the strong
0: or, arm of capitalism.
1: Yeah, or you'll just kind of be stuck, right? Like, uh. Or for, think, left um, behind
0: or forgotten, like the guy you were mentioning.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, something that I'm sort of, uh. uh I don't know, like, uh, Dealing with, right? Is. Um, in, oh, maybe we'll make this a hypothetical, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: In workplaces, um, there is a, is a very capitalist, realist, realism sort of idea. Um, like you're saying, there's a continual drive to be more efficient, to do more with less. Mm. Um, and one of the ways that that has impacted culture um, or working culture in Australia is now people are sort of lining up to be exploited in terms of their work hours, especially graduates. This was a big thing when I graduated Um, uh, because it's like, okay, uh, we'll work for like, say for instance, one of the big four um, companies, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, what are they called? Ernst & Young and et cetera. Um, And they uh, are really rough on their graduates, right? If you work there as a graduate, you'll get paid a very low wage. You'll be expected to do... Um, a lot of overtime that's unpaid, uh, it's gonna be really stressful, but it's comes with the promise that if you make it through a couple of years, you will then, uh, have be paid a lot more. You'll eventually be able to get into the mid level where you get a lot. Um, and even though this sort of not meant to, it's not really meant to be done like that. Um, it happens behind the scenes because. Um, everybody wants to be the person who's noticed of by course. people above them, so they're promoted. And so, one way to do that is by working more hours. Right? Um, it's a it's race to coercive. the bottom. Yeah. Well, um, pretty much. And it's it's coercive because nobody will ever tell you to do that. Right. Nobody will ever say you have to work more hours. But there's the implication that if you don't. Uh, you won't ever progress. You're not a. And, you're uh, not
0: a company man.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and somebody, hypothetically, <laughs> somebody said to me recently, you know, um, it would be you'd have more chance of progressing if you maybe worked uh, longer hours into the evening and did a bit more overtime. Oh my god! And um, that's something that I. That's a principle of mine, which is when I started working, I was like, I want to have a good job. I more than happy. I enjoy the work that I do,
2: mm. but I
1: don't ever want to be working overtime like that, partially because um, uh, of my own experiences where um, like uh, the modern family, right? And how that kind of affects the modern family. Yep. Um, the it fact it that used to be that there was
0: only one person working all day to support the family now it's two people yeah. were i mean it's crazy to think that one of the national uh things that's the liberal government in canada justin trudeau is trying to get happening and the local provincial government who i voted for and uh, yeah i think are too fucking wimpy uh for the job what they they're joint promoting is uh early cheaper child care the reason you want early, cheaper childcare is because you need to have both people out working. And it, in order to do that, you gotta get back to work. You, yeah. You gotta get back to work. Uh, mm. yeah. Except, um, what about who's going to raise the kid? Well, we have institutions for that and we'll, uh, you know, McDonald yeah. buys it. And oh, maybe we'll make it, uh, you know, uh, cooperative or whatever. But the fact that we have to do that, even though we've had, so many years of productivity increases since the 19th century where people didn't do that. What the fuck went wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know what um, went wrong. It's, there's a few people at the top who are, you know, squeezing and pulling off the cream. And then there everybody at the bottom. They, they keep testing and testing and testing over and over and over again to see, is there a bottom to this? Is there, is there something you won't take? Uh And my usual, (laughs) my usual one is like, you know, the French Revolution, right? It's like, when they run out of bread. Now, they seem to have solved the food problem. The housing problem is, is very difficult. You know, too many Mm. people living in too small a space, having to move, trying to find a job in a place where they can afford to live. It's very difficult. But one of the things when you keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing is, is the killing yourself, right? That is an opt out. I, yeah. And I want to change the subject slightly. Um, one of the things that really resonated me with me when I read that capitalism realist, realism book, um, was when he started talking about students in his classroom in, in the, I was going to ask
1: you yeah. about standardized testing.
0: Well, no, so. it was actually when he was lecturing, he was saying, you know this, there's this one kid who, who wore headphones in class and he asked oh, him, yeah, he asked yeah. him to take the headphones uh, off. Um, and he says, they're not on, right? It, as in the music's not playing. And he says, well, why are you wearing them then? And he says, uh, and he confabulated a story, an explanation, right? But the real answer yeah. is, uh, the thesis of his book. I think that that largely inspired that book. It's so powerful a scene. Um, and then later on, he, he talks about how the kid, or very shortly thereafter, he talks about how the kid would have them around his neck but playing music very quietly. And he asked the kid to turn the music off and he says, I can't even hear it. And he tries to yeah. ra- like, I, uh, the reason this stands out to me is one, I am that guy. And two, yeah. I know those kids. Yeah. Right yeah. now. I, I'm a weird guy. I'm not an eerie guy, just a very weird guy. Like I wear <laughs> shorts in the winter. I mostly wear t-shirts. I don't have to dress up for my jobs. You know, I uh, I don't have normal hours. When people who are cutting my hair ask me if I'm going back to work or I'm on my lunch break, I'm like, I I almost never have a good answer for them, <laughs> even though I've been doing this for years, right? Uh, because mm. I'm not normal. Now the thing is, is in in those situations, like uh, the other thing that's weird is I will wear. Uh, I'm not wearing earbuds anymore, but I'm wearing. Uh, I-, I told you about these things. They're bone the bone, con- the bone conduction, right? Yeah. Now mm-hmm. I wear them uh, when driving around and walking around. I-, I do take them off, but I like to have them on because sometimes there's going to be dead zones in whatever I'm doing. I'm chopping onions, or I'm uh, mm-hmm. waiting on something. I'm standing in line somewhere. I want to have my audiobook going so I can do two podcasts a week, right? But is that just an excuse to hide what I'm really afraid of? It might be. I think mm. that his his criticism and pointing to this this kind of thing, the commodification and the fact that stu- the he says students can't read sentences because they're boring. Uh, yeah. Dude, I live this. I spend so much time with kids who are have this problem and I'm dealing with the ones who have it the least.
2: Yeah, absolutely
0: yeah. the least. Or like my students tell me, yeah, I'm not allowed to play computer games. And I said all, and they say yeah, not at all. If I if I graduate, I'm they will let me have a laptop, <laughs> or mm. or they'll let me have a, uh, 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 you know their their whole. Th- they hear about games from their friends, or they want to get a phone so watch they can play. On- yeah, or they yeah or they,
1: they watch they them on YouTube, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. And yeah. I'll,
0: uh, you know, a lot of this is. Um, you know, girls have it easier for school. There's some reasons why that. I have a brother and sister right now who, one is she loves school and the other one's like, he's disconnected from school. And I said, I said to him yesterday, you're just really not focusing on these sentences here. We need to give you a sword and, Go throw you into a uh, a war,
2: and he says, "Yeah, yeah.
0: I want to do that." It's <laughs> <was> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see that in me, right? I, I like to play PUBG. Mm. It's about killing and being chased and running away and sur- survival. Mm. This is built into us as creatures, in the same way that I think that that movie, uh, Greater Mass in the Pit*, is arguing. You know, it's it's programming, right? It's programmed mm. into us. I don't think it's by aliens. I think it's just by uh, our nature. But, hmm. um, the fact that, uh, he is seeing something real and the fact that the, it, it used to be that the people who would go into the English program were wealthy kids who, or kids who are incredibly, uh, powerfully, um, intelligent, you in know, in that area and get adopted by a wealthy person who sees that. And then says, I'm going to fund your, your university career. Which happened to a few, you know, people, but mostly it's wealthy kids and they go and they get this exposure to the classics of literature. And then they come mm. away as readers and these people still exist, right? There are people who buy books. But as I say to, you know, most of my friends who are doing podcasts with me, we're fucking weird. Yo, most people don't read at all. Or if they do, mm. it is in chunks. And the way he describes this is back in. That book is from two thousand nine, right? The way he describes the way people interact with with words is correct, right? They they act as symbols, right? They Mm. they are not they're like uh, word pictures, and not I'm not even talking like um, like comics where it's a combination. It's more like these things act as as images to give a. Uh, uh, this is why I was so resistant to hashtags when they came out. Like, oh my god, just use your fucking words. Mm. Uh, but now I see the value of hashtags is in
1: irony. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like that's they just irony. Uh,
0: no, hashtags. no, no. Some people use them in in the non-ironic way too. You know, they oh yeah, and yeah. they use like five, six hashtags to get things trending, and I'm like, no. Don't but do that.
1: I, I use hashtags in my everyday speech as a joke. Oh my god! <laughs> um, Hashtag. Yeah. Uh, of course, it is a comedy I, I don't, thing. But I I never use them on in on social media at all. I don't think I've ever used them. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's, a, uh,
0: it's it's a it's a great way
1: to punctuate
0: a joke. I got to tell you. It, oh yeah, it, yeah. As that method, it's amazing because it's yeah. it's a common currency and everybody understands it. But the fact that you're using it unironically is. Mm. Scary because it speaks to the changes that he's he's talking about.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: um, agreed. What do you so? What do you think about? Um, I definitely I think uh, what you're saying about people having more difficulty focusing um, on these long,
0: essay, you know, essay yeah, stuff. I mean, even he, it's I, true. I see it in his own writing, right? Like the fact that he's doing this audio essay. The reason it is... I'm, a, again, a weird guy. I was into audiobooks. When when my friends were in high school listening to Michael Jackson and other stuff, I, I only liked like Weird Al Yankovic, who was a parodist mm. of those guys, right? I, I, I appreciated the Beatles, but I didn't want to listen to their stuff. Like mm. I, I listened to it, but I didn't want to listen to it again and again and again. Um, instead, I was into audiobooks, which is weird. It's why... You know, I'm on the internet doing audiobooks so early. is because I was interested in that. But it was like, uh, somehow I knew, like, uh, I don't want to waste my time. My brain needs material. And when I'm walking home or I'm on the bus or whatever, I need to have some intellectual some stimulation. stimulation. And radio doesn't yeah. do it. It does not no. do it. It hasn't done it for decades. Um, listening to radio from the 70s, it's like, oh, this is actually engaging in, you know a way that is not about what's trending. It's just like it, it was more engaging as intellectually engaging mm. at, in that period. Uh, and I'm not being nostalgic because I wasn't listening to the radio in the seventies. I'm just saying it was more intellectually engaging um, at, at a certain period. And I think that that's probably true for other media as well. Um, but, mm. but the fact that we have instant access to whatever kind of stream we want it isn't a lamentation; it's an explanation for. I think, mm. you know, the, I, I didn't see the appeal of Instagram. I'm like, you can do images on, on uh, Twitter. Why, why would I need to go to Instagram? That's just more. It's just the same thing,
1: but it's more restrictive. Even
0: right? uh, yeah, I think it's probably more restrictive with words and more has probably has more hashtags, but maybe not. I, I I've literally never, you know, used it, so I can't say for sure, but. The, the fact that it's oriented towards images, right? As opposed to text, mm-hmm. I think is something. But also, like, most, I, I don't think most people engage in Twitter threads where, like, I, me writing notes about a Star Trek episode and writing a whole bunch of separate things. They, they look kind of like paragraphs, but they're not even that long. And I, I do this thing unconsciously, too. And I, I, I find it like an aesthetic. Removing capital capitals and removing punctuation and or adding in punctuation, you know, or I do the, the clap emoji between words as an irony (laughs) because it makes me laugh. Right. But uh, the Mm. fact that what this is a lot of what people are technically reading, taking in words with their through their eyes, that is completely Mm. different. And that's very unusual. And so you see, like, when people are in comments on YouTube videos or whatever, bad spelling, right? And it's not on purpose, and it almost makes it hard to understand sometimes. And they're not ashamed of it. Why should they be ashamed? Mm. Used to be, if you spelled something, like, if I spell something wrong in a tweet, I feel, oh, shit. And I've seen people say, oh, Twitter needs an edit button. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we already have enough, t- 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 a, a mo- uh, enough of a difficult time understanding things that were there temporarily and now you're saying uh i, I can be gaslit n- all the time never <laughs> sure. never we can never do this because if yeah. that happens I uh, 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 everything goes down the memory hole mm, everything mm. becomes untrustworthy yeah and, and i think you know you're you're talking about how um you wanted to do a show on my pdf page and i was very embarrassed about how it's been down for like 3 weeks uh links oh right <laughs> so we finally got that fixed yesterday scott uh and i mostly scott uh, did that and um that that makes me feel less less embarrassed but um one of the th- reasons that page exists is because i'm so worried about being lied to about what r- the reality was so when mm. i put up a pdf it isn't ocr'd it's just a scan and i do make some compromises right like i've i take what out is OCR'd? Ads, oh optical character recognition it's not i take the text right. i take the text and i retype it and fix the yep. uh, what i present is what was originally in the book or the magazine and the reason i mm. want to do that is not just cuz i like the illustrations and the editorial introductions, it's because people change things over the years, and you think you're getting the thing, and you're not getting the thing. They take out mm. things, they fiddle around with it, and they say, this was that. Mm. It's so weird to me to read a book, uh, an anthology of stories from different authors, and seeing them, like... There, it feels like they're the skeleton of the thing and you're presenting it as the thing itself because it it wasn't in the context like it's if it has a year it's not usually on the same page as the as the story you know you have to go to the copyright page to find out when a story was published mm. if it's a, a, a collection or an anthology of something right you have to find out when mm. it was published uh, in a separate way you don't see it in the context of of the other stories in the magazine. You don't see it uh, connected with the illustrations and the editorial introduction that can sometimes tell you
1: how to read this. And instead... Hello? You just dropped out there for a sec. Oh. oh, uh,
0: I, was, I was just saying um, there's... Uh, <laughs> you don't see it in the context of where it was originally published. And sometimes those things can tell you how to read a text.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so if you, if you strip all that out and you say, this is as it was, it's already a gloss on somebody's, uh, take on what something was. You know, people don't like, uh, nigger. They don't like fuck. They don't like whatever word they don't like and they change it Mm. or they leave it out or they ellipses it or, you know, it, whatever, whenever Mm. you do that, you're changing the reality. And that freaks mm. me out because the uh, I, I, reality slippery enough as it is. You say it was published yeah, well, in this magazine in that year, and I believe you because it's written down on the page there. But turns out you lied. Yeah.
1: You're a fraud. And and I don't if know what to believe now. Yeah, and if you leave it for long enough, it just becomes the truth. Because oh, nobody oh, remembers yeah. oh, yeah. Anything before. Have you seen um, – there was an app I've seen uh, advertised recently. It was like – it was from some. It was from Google or some other thing. And the idea is, uh, is oh, no one's got time to read these classic works of literature. <laughs> just give it to me in fifteen minutes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and they make, um, they basically summarize and abridge these works down to sure. really essential concepts, and then you can um, just inject that right into your brain, <laughs> and uh, to learn these things. Right.
0: It sometimes forget. It uh, sometimes works. Um, like mm. a lot of books are written to be book length. And they really have, you know, three things you need to learn. <laughs> and they have a list of three things. And the rest of the book is filler and examples, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But if you're doing a novel, that's uh, that this is, you know, for school. This is a huge industry. If you want to mm. uh, condense books. I mean, they've been doing that for a long time, but, um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of audiobooks on uh, audible that are just, shortened versions of the other books telling you what's in it so that you can, it's like fetishizing reading so that you can be at the dinner party and say, I read Capitalist Realism because I I read this uh, three-minute <laughs> description of it.
1: Summary, yeah. And
0: I, honestly, that's what a lot of podcasts are for me, right? I listen to the HP podcast guys talk about stories. They do mm. essentially a story summary. They joke around yeah. a bit. But they do a story summary, and that tells me, oh, okay, I, that doesn't sound that interesting. But I need to know about it because I want to understand everything. And mm. uh, and and when it is interesting, then I tend to go, you know, pick it up and mm. see where they're wrong. Because in summarize, uh, uh, this is something I I always don't do on reading short and deep. I don't summarize stories because I'm thinking about like. I don't think you can really do it. <laughs> I think you can read the text and you
1: can sort of engage.
0: You create something. Go for it.
1: Well, you create something different whenever you summarize something. Right. right. So
0: uh, was, uh, talking about the outsider, you say there's this guy. That's wrong. It doesn't say a guy. It's gender neutral. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, he lives in an underground castle. Well, that's what the story says. But um, I think it's a tomb maybe. But why are there books mm. there? I don't know. Um, But the more you try and say what it is, uh, you know what? It happened in this book. Um, He's talking about a novel by Margaret Atwood called Surfacing. Yep. And one time I was talking with a teacher at university about Margaret Atwood and how I think she's a bad writer. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, I said I included surfacing on a list of science fiction books she writes And they said, that's a, that's a naturalist book or something. And I don't remember if I read it or not. I remember my mom had a copy of it. Um, I've read a few of her books and I actually, one of the ones he mentions in this book is, um, Oryx and Crake. Yeah. Which is a book I've not read and I deliberately didn't read there. We haven't have a show. We have a show on it. I was not in on that one because I've read some of it with students and Hmm. I, and, and it's part of a trilogy, which, again, I'm not a fan of. And Margaret Atwood didn't believe in the moon landing, and I think that that's crazy. Mm. <laughs> so I have this argument that I make to myself why I don't need to read that book. And then I said to the teacher, uh, I, this has got to be 2005 or something. Um, surfacing is uh, on her uh, list of things that are fantastic, right? And I said it wasn't science fiction, but something like that. And I said, no, it's a realism book. And I'm like, oh, is it? But here it is in Mark Fisher's book. He's calling it uh, an example of the eerie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, mm. I didn't really have that concept then, right? I was not, um, I didn't really know what weird fiction was or anything. It, mm. It's really educational in reading all these stories since then, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, saying that it is or is not something else. So, when you say um, Parallax View is a a political thriller, Mm. I guess it is, because it has politics in it, but uh, one of the things that happens is it's an independent senator who's shot, right? At the beginning, right? And there's that idea of independence. And then, at the end, there's some other guy shot, and we don't know who he is he's just a typical american politician who's popular right mm. and so uh yeah
2: so we don't what know kind of movie
1: is it right what <laughs> kind of
0: movie is it cuz uh, yeah. I, d- I wouldn't have thought to put it on this list but the fact that um like i think one of the turning points in the movie is when he's he's they go to visit the dam right he's just had this uh, it's a crazy movie they just had this uh knock down drag out fight in a bar and he mm. says, you're going to call the cops? And he says, I'm sitting right here, right? And you just knocked up my deputy sheriff. And then they talk. And then he takes them to the dam to show them where the guy uh, who may have been murdered drowned. And he says, how can you not hear that, right? And you hear the thing. Then he pulls out his gun and he's going to kill him. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Th- we get the explanation. Uh, oh, these guys were indicted. They knew you are a reporter. And he says, I gave them a fake name and I was not uh, – like. And then, you know, of course, it does connect up, right? Those documents that we see in the drawer enter the contest. Oh, my God. That's when I was like, this is an awesome movie because it's really, it has a a core idea. They know what the fuck they're doing, right? So, the eerie Mm. events, the writers knew what the fuck they're doing. The eerie events that happen within the film are all agent, agented, right? Yeah. But they're They're not explained, right? It, yeah. it it doesn't say this is what happened. There's no wrap up scene where they say when you saw the guy stab the guy, he was actually telepresence or you know, it's nothing like that. It's all mm. it's all uh events leading and innocuous events leading to innocuous events leading to surprising events, right? The scene on the airplane where he's inferring that there's a bomb on the plane. Yeah. And he he got on the plane thinking like I think oh he's following the, the thing, right? And then he say, Oh, there's this politician on the, on the plane. So, uh, I'm going to die, but he doesn't say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to tell the authorities about the bomb on the plane. He has to push that away, right? Yeah. And he turns out to be right. That this is the scientific process, my friend. Mm. You make a hypothesis and your life may depend on it, right?
2: Hmm.
0: And we don't think of that as science, but that literally is what it is. It, it, it's and, and exposing it publicly, right? So if you and mm. I are just having this conversation without recording it and putting out it as a as a podcast, it's not science. It's just two guys t- talking. But once mm. once mm-hmm. we put our ideas out there and have other people say yeah or no, that's science, and that's weird because we don't think of that or is it eerie <laughs> mm-hmm. we don't think of this is what we're doing as a scientific process but that's literally what it is
1: yeah yeah we're at very least it's people coming to agree on a certain point right
0: well um, it's testing other people so you if you and i agree that this is yeah. a good movie and somebody else hears it and says no those guys are wrong and they make their own podcast saying what's going on there can Later be a, some sort of consensus as to what was it and wasn't a good movie. There was a tweet today. I, I know I'm getting excited here. There was a tweet today. Uh, I couldn't, I was like, this can't be right. It was a relatively new magazine and they had, uh, on the, you know, a list of authors on the front, new stories by and a bunch of authors that mostly had, hadn't heard of some I had. And then there was a third or another section that said classic stories. And I looked at the, the list of people and i'm like i don't recognize any of these so i'm betting none of these are actually classic stories and i was correct Mm. oh yeah here is uh, so i said technical objection to the use of the word classic here the word should be reprint this is something like being lied to so i went looked up the one of the the first author on the list Joel wellington oh no i guess it wasn't it was uh oh maybe it was let me look here Oh, Yo! This is a very unusual name, Yo, Yoan Cana Delgado. Right, so not likely to be two of those on ISFDB. Only one stor- short story listed. It's called "The Blue Room," mm. from 2020. Okay, so that's a classic fiction. That's classic fiction, we're told.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, I look, I also did the look up what the word classic means. Judged over a period of time to be highest of quality, outstanding, and of its kind. I guess that does not qualify because it's, uh, I mean, I, I mean, it, it, well, eventually. And the example is a classic novel. Number two, remarkably and instructively typical. Okay. Hamlet is a classic example of a tragedy. I don't think mm. that's what they mean. Uh, a work of art recognized and established value books, these His books have become classics. So, you know, somebody could apply that to somebody from a while ago, I would think. And lastly, a school subject that involves the study of ancient Greek and Latin literature and philosophy and history. So when somebody puts that on the front of their magazine, what they're saying is, we have some reprints too, but they don't call mm. it that. They're trying to use the word classic to bootstrap, right, uh, more sales. Yeah, they're trying to sell it right now that's a person who's compromised their values uh like uh, Mm -hmm. i assume that they believed in truth at one point (laughs) the Mm -hmm. truth had value right when i tell you i have a penis (laughs) i'm not lying to you Mm -hmm. (laughs) i literally have one right um that's not a lie now if you if you know you go on a date with somebody and they say no no i don't have a penis and then you find out they do I mean,
1: that would be a lie. It, it would
0: be a lie. Yeah. But more importantly, you know, uh, you might want to know that front. I'm not, yeah, sure. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't like going on dates with people with penises or no penises. I'm just saying lying has value. Uh, lying is uh, something we think is bad because it interferes with our understanding of reality. So that's why it's mm-hmm. bad. Right. So use a, a tiny little thing like this classic. Nobody would object to that, obviously. Mm. Me, I think it's like a mortal sin. Mm. And it's because I'm so fundamentally disconnected from what reality is, if you start messing with it, I'm like, screwed! Like, I don't know what's (laughs) going on. You tell me he's good, okay, I believe you. Turns Mm. out that he's a serial killer. Okay, that's bad. But I don't want to have to find that out the hard way. So, uh, what, what, what makes it true is that it's been tested and tested and tested and tested and tested and tested over time. Like, I don't mm. need to keep putting my putting my hand in la- uh, different lava from different volcanoes around the world, because once I understand that lava's hot because I've had the experience of fire, I'm pretty sure it's good. Now, I'm sure there's some people who who are going to get burned by fire, but I'll let them do the the testing, because I don't want to get hurt. Mm. So I, I think that that's where the connection comes between... The, the weird eerie and the capitalist real, the, I mean, it's in the ha- second half of the title, realism, right? What's really mm. happening? Not what are we telling ourselves? What, what lie are we telling ourselves about how, uh, you know, if you work hard, you'll get ahead. I think there's mm. a reason you're resistant to that at work as well. And because you know, it's a false, a falsehood deep down.
2: Yeah. Because,
0: mm-hmm. It isn't the people who are the hardest workers who get ahead. It's the people who get ahead who get ahead. And some of those get ahead because they're married to the boss's friend or they're willing to put out uh, sexual favors or they're – like, there's all sorts of reasons. And sometimes it's genuine merit, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say sometimes, um, you know, like, uh, people either have – how would you say? They have the capacity – to be highly, highly productive, um, which they just, you know, some people sort of randomly have, yep. they got lucky. They're very intelligent. Or unlucky. They're able to yep. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I've always like, uh, it's a meritocracy in that, in a way. Um, although there are sometimes like there's nepotism, like you said, and so on. Um, but they could put in a certain number of hours and be more productive than someone who puts in more hours. Oh, sure. Uh, because they have the capacity. So it's not about how hard you work, because not everyone's on an equal footing. It's how, how hard you sense. seem
0: to be working, and not only that, right? Because uh, mm, yeah. uh, w- one of the things, Paul, uh, he's very despairing about his job, um, I think. He's sort of stuck in in his job. Um, I, I remember a few years ago, they were like trying to train somebody to to be his apprentice, so that he could mm. have vacations and stuff. And... Right? Um, Now, if he trains them well enough, they can, they can replace him, right? Um, but uh, whatever, whatever skill he, a skill set he has seems hard to replace either because those people are, you know, people who are good at judging this particular issue. I think he does warranty, uh, stuff. Um, or, you know, they're not paying enough or they don't want to move to that place. Whatever the explanation is, um, him working harder at his job may help his career but what if the boss needs him in that position because no one else in the company can do it then it's not going to help his
1: career right that's what happens i think um in in the sort of organizational structure um what can that that exact thing happens where if you give someone a promotion if you give somebody a promotion right Mm -hmm. you then need to backfill their position which in a sense creates another problem yep and when you have in organisations that have a that are a large bureaucracy, right, um, that process is sometimes not. You essentially have to go through the process twice, right? Yes. You need to 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 have it be a fair process. You need to advertise the position. Everyone applies for it. If somebody who's already working in in that company gets that position, they need to backfill, for which they also need to conduct the same process. Mm-hmm. So it's twice as much work. Mm-hmm. There's an incentive actually not to do that which he, is um he
0: talks about uh, uh mao a lot and maoism and capitalism in capitalist realism right mm. and how it, it ins- he's talking about it, how it engages in schools as well with their teachers grading themselves and how to grade themselves so that they don't uh like if they give themselves an unsatisfactory grade that's bad but they always have to improve
2: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> or they say they're satisfactory Right, And yeah. so it's it's literally outsourcing the job of somebody in the bureaucracy to somebody who's not qualified. Imagine you do this in the Army. You say to the gu- guy in the Army, hey, uh, who's the best shot in the unit? And you don't actually have a test where they test the shooting. They just say, well, I believe that I'm the best shot in the unit. And the other guy over there, <laughs> he says he's the best shot in the unit. And this other guy says, I need improvement. But when you put them all down to actually shoot the targets it becomes much clearer right mm mm-hmm. mm now the thing is is most of the things are not as clear in reality as hitting targets on a on a you know a post 50 yards away mm. most things are way less clear so you know when i'm explaining why a student isn't making progress in a certain area it's usually not because i'm slacking off on the job but rather i'm trying to fix a problem that's preventing them from getting to that area right yeah uh, there was already a, a an issue and in order to get over to there like uh, i it's very hard to teach kids to write sentences when they don't know what verbs and nouns are right yeah and how to organize them and so i have to teach that before i can teach them to write essays i got like a par- parents expecting me to teach essay writing to you know grade three kids what the fuck they're thinking is they're not. They've outsourced their thinking to me. So I take that information mm. and I say, okay, I can't do that. That's impossible. You know, three-year-olds, not three-year-olds, eight-year-olds cannot write essays. Essays are a very obtuse 16th century thing. Mm. Um, I can teach it to high schoolers. They won't like it. I won't like it. But there are things that we can use from there. So... When we go to test the kids on es- their essays, this is something that is hard to grade anyways, even if they're good essays, you know. You take mm. three famous essays and you say, which one's the best? <laughs> you know, you're going to have different opinions. And usually the way they do it is yeah. they just look for grammar mistakes, right? But sometimes grammar, mis- I tell mis- uh, what I tell my students is, any mistake you did on purpose is not a mistake. Right. Yeah. So you're allowed to make grammar mistakes. That's fine. Just as long as you know you it's a mistake. It. And you have to sh- you have to tell me before I, I say what's wrong with this sentence. Um and if they say, "Well, I made a grammar mistake." And I said, "Which one?" And they point to it and they didn't change it, then that's fine. Yeah? Right? If so, they wanted to. But um. how can you how can you do a whole classroom uh, 50 kids? How could you do that? It's impossible, right?
1: Yeah, no. So um, that's I,
0: it's a factory. That's the factory uh, Maoist element that seems to have taken over uh, capitalism's bureaucracy. Is what he's arguing, I think.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean uh, that was one thing I definitely like agreed with in capitalist realism is sort of like the replacement of really developing these skills with the assessment of those skills. Mm-hmm. Right, like you, like you said, um, does it matter whether these teachers are really teaching their kids well? Well, I think what matters actually more is that they are assessed as right. teaching or as, as always making some improvement. Right, and I, I agree with you. Like when you said um, that, really most teachers uh, will mark grammar. Um, they just take off marks for
0: for mistakes,
1: and then it didn't yeah. hit
0: the word count. If it hit the word count, that's great. When, I, when I, t- I tell them to do all that stuff and then I say, now, remember who your audience is. It's a person who hates doing this and is doing it all day. The least you can do is make it fun for them to read. Make a joke here or there. Mm. Some people don't take jokes well, so I say, you know, you have to s- make your own assessment of your teacher. I've never met your teacher. If your teacher is a hard ass, doesn't th- find anything funny, don't do it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so they have to do the assessment too, but... You know, make the writing at least fun for you because you have to be there. You're in prison. You might as well have fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Um, Yeah. What do you think of um, the idea of hauntology that was brought up in, I think it's capitalist realism. I don't think it's in The Weird in the Year. Yeah. uh, I think it was. Oh, maybe. Actually, you know, like when you said that Mark Fisher – his books kind of overlap and yeah, it's hard yeah. to distinguish them. I think, I actually don't think he brought up in capitalist realism either. I think that might've been in another essay. I think you're right. I wrote, um, Moon Moon has
0: yeah. a podcast, one of his many, many speaking of productive guys, right? This guy, could, oh, yeah. he's, he could be a BBC all by himself.
2: Yeah. He's amazing.
0: Shocking. He's amazing. And um, he's doing it all hobby based. It's amazing. But he has a hauntology. He uses that as a, he takes a picture, an image, um he makes it eerie somehow mm. uh you know it looks like you know a farmhouse or something but when you look at it again or defocusing your eyes or something you'll see like a a skull or uh you know a, a ghostly image or something right and often it's mm. where the rural or a church or something you know not indoors sometimes it's indoors um mm. And so he uses that, and then tells a story based on the image, it connects the the story with the image. Uh, but I mm. don't really know much about hauntology from Mark Fisher's point of view. I wonder if uh, Mr. Jim P- Moon picked that up from
1: him. What do you, I think? It's a what do you know? About it's it? a pretty um, like obscure because I think that's a Jacques Derrida hmm. idea, right? The way that Mark Fisher um, talks about it is that he. Uh, Uses it, um, to define people's view of the present. Mm. Um. So what he says is, the present, the year two thousand and twenty, or whenever it is, is haunted by the past's view of this same year. Oh, right, sure. So what? He, so it is kind of similar to those. Um, images that jim moon is making right there is the image one there and then there's another image right. that's also there um and so like you take a look at a uh, um <laughs> back to the future mm-hmm. and it has an a view of like 2015 or whatever right. that yep. the future is set
2: mm-hmm.
1: right and it's totally different but people grew up uh like my parents or my grandparents um where's my flying car yeah with that view of stuff's gonna be better um people will have to work less <laughs> <laughs> um it just uh they're going to have a view of the future of like we're going to be on Mars mm-hmm. or we're going to be venturing out into the space and of course uh the future as it exists is very different and uh so um the present is haunted by this future Absolutely. and the comparison is really depressing <laughs> um Because, well, you know, there was going to be flying cars and space travel Mm -hmm. and uh, new and amazing stuff. And actually, there's like environmental disasters and pollution um, and increasing inequality. And uh, so, this kind of optimism that people had going into the future is slowly crumbling towards more of a pessimism. Mm.
0: Um, Yeah, well, we seem to go on cycles of. Uh, Pessimism and optimism uh, as a culture, and sort of related to um, to events uh, that are haunting the period of time in which the so zombies were really big a few years ago. They're still around, obviously, but they're not big like and vampires. You know, big Mm. um, you know post apocalyptic movies versus utopian movies. It's a lot more dystopian ones, of course, because it's easier. It's easier to do dystopian stuff. Um, but yeah, there's a, one of the things I like to um, uh, think about is like when I saw Star Wars 1977, that movie, first time, I was blown away, right? I saw it on yeah, HBO. Yeah. The whole town I lived in was a pirate town, everybody had HBO. I don't know how this happened, but I, I approve. <laughs> Everybody on HBO, no ads, just movies. And I watched, I counted Star Wars 25 times, uh, when I was a kid. It was on HBO a lot and I would watch it over and over again. What I didn't know at the time was that it's, it's the reason it looks the way it does is because he was drawing on a a couple of things. One is the World War II imagery, which I was not familiar with at that time. I was only familiar with Star Wars, right? Um, Mm. And also it has a lot of Buck Rogers and, um, the other guy who's like Buck Rogers. Um, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, exactly. Yeah. And so it has, uh, you know, a bad guy and there's a princess and there's a cliffhanger sort of things and aliens and all sorts of, you know, rockets and a hero and, uh, smugglers or whatever. All the things I like, um, those references are haunting that movie, but not for me at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, what, what are we left with? We're haunted by the endless Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars, Star Wars, Star... We're haunted by the success that these things were. It's almost like the VHS tapes and the constant broadcast on HBO damaged us. <laughs> so that yeah. all we can do is now remake things... That were made before. I, I I I was thinking about this the other day because we did um, the Tempest by um, Shakespeare, Willie Shakes, Willie Shakes, yeah. um, which is amazing, right? Now, mm. when you go to see a a play production of that, they tell you not to record it. Now, I always do <laughs> because yeah. I'm a pirate. <laughs> But they say not to record it. And it's not because they're, they're, uh, they're trying to preserve the thing that I think would be the cool part about that. It, it not being preserved, right? When yeah. you see a live performance, um, if somebody fucks up, it f- happens in real time and they can't fix it. They just have to muddle through, right? And they're really great at not fucking up. These professional actors, right? Who are performing this mm. play over and over again. They remember all their lines. They hit their cues. Sometimes there's a little fumble or, some little tiny thing goes wrong. And when those do, that would, in real life, be an eerie moment, right? When mm-hmm. it's almost like in a podcast when I stop talking, you know? Yeah. And you say, oh, it's shit, like- I need to fill that in, right? I feel that need. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's something we don't want, right? It's something that doesn't fit. It's not comforting. But in a live performance, everyone who mostly performed this until the 20th century will never see their performances again, right? They've they've been making this play go for 400 years. They've changed it around a little bit. They've fiddled with it. Uh, For years and years, the version we thought was by Shakespeare is by somebody else, right? Mm. Now they went back and they found the books and they are now telling us how it was. Uh, and I, I believe them because I haven't done enough research to prove otherwise. Um, but the fact that all of these performances are gone and snuffed out, and then we can watch a performance from 1980 that was on uh, TV once, and somebody captured it, and it's on YouTube now, then that one is crystallizing things in a way that almost damages the reality Because Mm. it's it's sort of pervading. The fact that we can watch Ant-Man by the Marvel movie guys, right? Over and over and over again. Well, Ant-Man 2, okay, I get it. And then maybe there's an Ant-Man 3 and Iron Man 4 or whatever. But when Star Wars came out, unless you went and saw it in the theater, you'd have to wait a couple years... Right, especially in a small town, you'd have to wait a couple of years, and you only have your memories and the action figures to tell you what the story was mm-hmm. to connect you up. So there's something there's something about uh, the new technology that may have been causing this sort of. Uh, it's almost like capitalism's uh, virus is infecting uh, us in ways that it couldn't before. There was moments mm. of silence, right? in the 19th century if you weren't singing or uh banging on the the piano there was no music and then when they invent the record player we can have music all the time now we can have yeah. when uh, as soon as the walkman came out i wanted to get a walkman right mm. i needed to get a walkman i need i need to record all my tapes and label them and keep them and record things off the radio and all uh, record things off the tv so i could i could keep them Mm. And then if we add those all those things up, where's Jesse, right? Where's the Jesse other than the collection of all that stuff? So that's that's one of the movies he talked about in uh, the weird and the eerie that I haven't seen. Did you see that one that he was talking about, where people uh, take a a treatment for immortality, but they have to delete their personality?
1: Oh, that was or a book. Uh, book. Book. It was. Um... Yeah, uh, I forget the guy's name. He's written, a, I think he also wrote The Al Service and a few other things. Oh, oh um, uh, Elador guy. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Um, and I've, uh, Wait, the,
1: no, no. I, oh, it was different. Sorry, author. hang on. It's not him. It might be someone else. We should really, <laughs> we <laughs> so, should figure out who exactly this is.
0: Dude, uh, this book, uh, these books had more, uh, it was almost like reading, um, there's a, f- oh, I can't remember her name now, but there's a famous author who, oh, Joe Walton. When you're reading Joel Walton, it's basically a whole bunch of book reviews. (laughs) Like, it's a novel, but it's a girl who's reading a whole bunch of books. And they're all book reviews. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't believe how much um, media engagement was in this. I don't know. What did did, uh, Mark Fisher
1: teach? Do you know? I do not know. Let me uh, take a look at his Wikipedia. I know he was... um Okay... He oh, was a philosopher and teacher. Well, he's definitely uh, a philosopher
0: based on his um,
1: his uh, yeah
0: his, his writings. He here. was
1: yeah. I understood. Um, he was a university, maybe like an associate professor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, doesn't seem like he was a professor that I can see. I th- I'm honestly not sure. He was um,
0: no, maybe he wasn't.
1: I don't know. Oh, he was a lecturer on oral and visual cultures. There you go. Oh yeah. So uh that that's pretty specific. Um but it's no wonder. I get the sense though that um like while he may have an academic um or a professional interest in all these things, I get the sense that this is just what he really likes. Oh yeah. Which is is watching a ton of stuff and drawing connections between it mm-hmm. and creating a large picture. Um in the things that resonate with culture Talking about at me, a particular but time. That's, yeah, yeah, it's a show. I
0: mean, I, um, I'm making my students read Lovecraft not because they're demanding it. <laughs> no, no, because it happens to be that he has great vocab words, and I'm enthusiastic about it. So that means mm. I get to, and you know, well, um, he, I'm not, even like parents aren't canceling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the students aren't um, too young I to mean, cancel it, and they don't care. <laughs> Yeah, not yet. <laughs> uh, no, um, the wrong kind. They need to be two generations uh, away from the generations that they're in for, and then they wouldn't have a tutor.
1: Yeah, uh, you know you how many mean two generations in the in you know the how many st- I, I've been
0: te- I've been tutoring for sixteen years, right, or more. Mm-hmm. Now, you know how many uh, white students I've had, non-Asian students, in all that time?
1: Uh, no. How many? Two. Really? Two.
0: You know know how many uh, other? Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah, yeah. It's because there's a cultural difference, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe there are some... I actually had somebody ask me uh, who's uh, American and I think has a whitish name (laughs) Um, and uh, acts as if he's white. I don't know if that means anything. Uh, Ask me if I tutored math. I know that there are a lot of there's a lot of demand for math and chemistry tutoring, um, especially math for white people, but I don't tutor mm. that, so I can't say. But uh, it, it's a cultural difference, right? The parents are mm. the most of the most of the experience I have with students is is they're there, they've been trained to study, and then there's this other set who are on the periphery whose parents think that their kids should probably study and it'll probably keep them out of trouble and those are the ones that have sort of the issues that Mark Fisher is talking about and I think a lot of other people ha- have it's it, you know they're you give your kid an iPad it's a pretty powerful uh, thing to do but it also shapes them in a way and then uh, a phone it shapes them in a way and it's, uh, Yeah, definitely. In a, you know, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing but it's definitely it's powerful force And, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, without those things, you're, you're more engaged with the piece of paper that's been handed to you, but like a a lot of older and it gets worse as they get older, right? Because, um, they become more independent. So the kids who have computers at home because they got a certain grade on a, on a certain thing (laughs) because their parents said, Mm -hmm. I'll give you a computer. If you get, uh, this mark on that class, um, they all can't stay awake. Because they're they're studying so much? No, because they're playing games all night.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right?
0: When the parents are asleep, they're in their bedroom playing games or watching streams. And it's the same thing. It's just a big light shining in your eyes keeps you from sleeping. And so they sleep during the day.
1: Yeah.
0: During class.
1: And also... I mean, and also, you know, teenagers need a lot of sleep. <laughs> like, they probably shouldn't be working uh, as much as they know. are. I,
0: I, I no, look, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I would say work smarter, yeah. not, but, uh, not harder. But honestly, yeah. it, it is like a, it's, I don't remember that many kids sleeping during school when I was a kid, whereas now it's a pervasive problem.
1: At least because there was nothing to do before computers, right? At least, you know, um, out in the country where i was it's like once the sun goes down okay well you can you can kind of go around do some stuff but basically you can read you may as well go to
2: yeah
0: and it's something quiet um, you could do right that your parents wouldn't get upset about you can stay up at night reading well now we have something Mm. better than reading it's called computer games or video games yeah yeah and and it has the added effect of like i i I good i have really good sleep hygiene because i Go to sleep with audio rather than video, right? But mm. most most people they c- combine them and they get that uh, the light coming off the it's literally just the light coming off the screen prevents them from getting sleepy because their mm. brain is uh, first uh, last
1: uh, is like oh it's daylight That's yeah like, no I, for the,
0: my uh, my mom was in hospital recently for three weeks and she mm. lives in the country. It's not that far from the city, so there's still like uh, light pollution and all that. Um, But uh, I didn't have a computer there. I had a phone, and there was a TV, right? Um, So I can watch a little Mm -hmm. TV, and I can uh, look at my phone and read, you know. But um, when the sun went down, I went down. When the sun came up, Mm. I went up. Now, part of that is the dogs don't read at all, right? And they bark when the sun comes up. And they yeah. go to sleep when the sun goes down, as long as you turn the lights out in the house, they think it's it's nighttime, same with the chicken mm. you, you turn out the light, the chicken goes to sleep, you turn on the light, the chicken wakes up <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it's 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 that simple, right mm. and so yeah, he when he's talking about this stuff, I didn't realize it was two thousand nine i I figured it was much more recurrent
1: It's um, only become more relevant. Yes. In the years since, I think, especially... It seems um, to
0: be, like, uh, peaking right now, uh, just based on my minimal experience. Uh, but I, I think I may have heard of this guy's name once last year,
1: maybe. I think he, he has become a bit more popular recently. Um, but also, I think that um, even 2009, right, uh, there was some beginning in this sort of repetition of culture. But in the last... 10 years, 15 years since then, um, it's become a lot worse. And in, even in these books, like, I think this was also in his other essay, uh, which I, I think was just called what is hauntology, right? If people want to look it up, right. But he talked about, um, the kind of way that neoliberalism tends to, uh, reproduce things rather than promote, uh, novelty. Hmm. You were talking about uh, like Star Wars, and uh, um, yeah, but I was also it was, like it how was much that two year sort of, gaps, of just.
0: And now it's like there's a show on TV, and it's uh, and you know it was just like suddenly they're remaking everything, right? And it's not because uh, it's not because all those things were good. It's because well, they she- have the properties, and having the property and the knowledge in somebody's head that is capital inside. Having real estate in somebody's head is capital in your pocket. Which yeah, is crazy, absolutely. right? But that's literal. Yeah. Like we are. I was. I was uh, talking with somebody. I think it was Scott yesterday was. We we're trying to fix the PDF page. I said, "How many TV shows exist now? Like on all the streaming services?" And the uh, I think we had a stat from 2019 or something, and uh, and then 2020, and it was like 400 and something, like scripted television shows, in and this is in English, right? Uh, mm. I assume that that's the dominant one anyways. 400 scripted television shows in 2019, then 540 in 2020. But if you just go back to when I was a kid and HBO had just started, right? Um, In the late uh, 70s, early 80s, I think it was like really a thing, like 1981, it became a thing. Um, There was three networks, maybe an independent broadcaster. There's only so many hours in the day. Right, and mm, and some yeah, there's three networks, right? Um, and each of them had a newscast, the American news channels. We had like a couple you know a couple extra TV channels because we get theirs and we also get the Canadian ones. You can only give your attention to one of them, but during certain mm. hours, the, the, they would all be doing. Uh, maybe one of them would be doing a comedy rerun or, or Star Trek or something, right? But the rest of them are doing their newscasts. And then you would mm. have a prime time between what is 5 p.m. and like 10 p.m., right? Uh, that's, that's even long. I don't think it was started. I think f- there was a newscast somewhere in there. But basically there was three hours a night where you could put on a scripted television show. Three times three is uh, nine. <laughs> so you got like nine mm. hours of, uh, of broadcasts that is new. And you multiply that times the number of episodes they do per year, which used to be a lot more. It's like 26, right? So how did, how is it that we, we've come to be able to support a much larger number of scripted television shows than was available in the past? If only, you know, you could like, you could only give your so much attention to it. How, how is it that we've expanded so that there's so many shows you, like my mom's watching a show I never heard of, right? Uh, you're, mm-hmm. y- you probably never heard of it. I barely remember what it was called. And there's another one and another one and there's thousands of them. How can you, or hundreds at least, how can we support this? Well, it turns out uh, we've colonized people's brains and given them millions of options and there was a lot more money in this than we thought.
1: I guess. Mm. Well, you, you talk. Well, there's, there's more people, uh, which is one thing. Not that I many mean, more. There's just,
0: not, like, twice as many as there was in that period, I don't uh,
1: think. Okay, yeah. I um, mean, there, there
0: are new markets, but we're just mostly talking about North America, Australia, New Zealand, and UK, and and that's it, right, for, for mm. scripted English-language television shows, maybe South Africa.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think also... Um, like you made the point before about uh, there were so many channels and there's so many hours in the day, but we're not really limited by that anymore no. when it comes to streaming. You can because people can choose what to watch at any time. You and uh, you can have more than would fit on a channel, and you also don't need the same infrastructure to be broadcasting it. People don't have to just tune in,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? When you when you when you have presumably, like I know there's some brands like. Uh, that have multiple channels, like in Australia, we have like ABC one and Mm -hmm. two and stuff like that. BBC one, two,
0: three, four. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then you have even more time that you can put, give alternatives. Right. But you still have, you can only be broadcasting one thing at one particular time. Um, And so, and there's prime spots like 8 PM on a Saturday or whenever. So you want to put your absolute best thing there. The fact that we don't have those restrictions anymore means that like, and probably also, um, it's probably cheaper to make TV shows as well. Uh, I would imagine.
0: I don't. I don't know. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but but the thing is, is it, it it does have to do with the fact, like when when those shows were broadcasting, they would also have reruns in prime time, right? So they're like coasting right, okay. on money, right? They're coasting on yeah, yeah, uh, on uh, you know the original Star Trek ran three seasons. <clears throat> Uh, with, like, 29 episodes of first season, 26 and 20-something on the second, the third, right? And was barely renewed for that third season, then was canceled. Now there's been... So that, you know, there was, like, 80 episodes of or, uh, original Star Trek, a little under that, right? Um, there are now either seven or 800 Star Trek episodes. Um, mm. And, you know, they've got, like, three Star Trek shows coming for... Uh, you know, whatever, Paramount subscription service. And it's not like the shows ha- are so good that everybody needs to watch them now, right? These are pretty shitty shows. Um, mm. So, how is it that this is all supportable? Well, it might be that Netflix is, you know, running a, a kind of a scam. <laughs> that most people aren't watching most of these shows. Mm-hmm. That's possible. How would we know? Well, they don't release oh. their numbers, right? Um, what would be the point of this scam, though? Inflating their uh, their um, their stock,
1: right? So, I, okay, I suppose so. I, 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 but
0: stuff. see, there's no way to know, right? If we mm. did, there is no independent auditing of these. Like they don't they don't even release the numbers to to the producers, right? So they will cancel mm. shows, um, and they don't have to justify. why. No, they don't have to justify why. Um, and they, you know, renew shows, um, they buy shows, they move things around. So it could be that, that it, this is all like a you know, tulip inflation thing. And that's possible. Mm. But I, I suspect it's not just that. I would suspect that there's a lot of people who are now able to access things that were not of it. So I, I don't watch Star Trek during primetime. I watch it on Netflix, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I watch it whenever I want. Whenever episode. Exactly. I skip around. But when I was a kid, I bought a VCR. It was a very expensive thing to buy because I wanted to watch things that were broadcast and something else on the other channel that were airing at the same time. And Mm. so that, like, it was more difficult to keep track. Now we're in a complete opposite position. Now what I Mm. crave is some information that makes me. Spend any time. I don't spend any time, uh, you know, recording off of TV. I I have a bunch of VCRs, like literally four or five of them in my storage locker. I don't know why I'm not using them. Um, I guess because I didn't want to throw them away because they're perfectly good. But, uh, the thing is, is it's a legacy from the period of time when they were, you know, four or $500, when four or $500 was a lot of money. And Mm. now they're, you know, I've digitized my video collection completely. Um, so what, what's, what's going on now? Now it's not that there was this great show that I want to rewatch back then. Now there's all these shows and I can't trust the reviews. So I went to look, uh, on the, my mom's show that she was talking about. She was watching. She's on like episode six. She doesn't have the same taste as me. So sometimes she says something and I'm like, I I don't, I don't have a good mental model to why, like, if you said, Jesse, there's this really great show, at, and you mentioned, you know, uh, Mackin, I'm like, okay, I'm watching that, right? Because <laughs> you and I mm. are on a vibe in a way that I understand. I, I've i known this lady for a long time. I don't understand her vibe. She likes dogs. I understand that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Um. So, when I went to look, like, IMDB is not trustworthy on anything new. It's a lot of fake reviews, and a lot of um shill reviews, right? Mm-hmm. And and then we go look at another source and that one's is saying it's terrible. Well that one's owned by the company that produces other channels, right? So mm. like what is valuable now is honesty about what's really worth your attention rather than I need to get both of the shows that I want to watch that are on at the same time on different channels. I want to watch uh, Magnum, P.I. and uh, Seinfeld or whatever. Whatever show, two shows are being broadcast simultaneously. You can't literally watch two at the same time. So you have to somehow jig around. It's almost like we've reversed the situation of our interaction with reality. It used to be that you would go to the bookstore and buy something that looked interesting. Now you go to Amazon. It tells you what... You think will be interesting. You might find it interesting, but you're relying more on Goodreads and your friend's mm. point of view or, or a podcast that tell you, "Hey, this book looks interesting, right?" Mm. And it, it's it's a very strange situation. So he's actually talking about all of this, um, but the one thing that told me that it was old is he's talking about blogs, and they don't exist anymore. As a yeah, guy no, who has really. a blog.
1: I can tell you, they do not exist anymore, right? Because uh, all the information is it can be uh, well. I mean, most people won't sit down and read a something like that, right? They'll watch a video. I think a lot of the stuff that was blogging has turned into uh, videos, or
0: it, it's on a or blog podcasts. somewhere. My friend, my friend has a blog. I hear about it on Twitter. I read it through the Twitter app. I click on the link, and I'm reading it on my phone through the Twitter app. I used to do it like in the morning I would press a button and all my RSS feeds would be checked and I would see oh my friend who has that great blog over there I'm going to read that. And oh this one's famous writer I I like what he has to say. That's all that's all gone now. And so yeah, it has been turned into YouTube's Twitter, I probably Instagram too. And uh you know, various other sources. But um just the fact that he's talking about blogs as being like a, a thing. And he was working on blogs, right? He's a blog guy. I, I'd i never
1: heard it's of him. It's how blog. he became uh, famous.
0: That's right, right? It's like uh, um, uh, there's a lot of authors who I used to follow that had blogs. Now I'm sort of disconnected from them if they're not on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. like a control. And then so th- that's why I'm saying like if they ever introduced a uh, – a revised feature on edit edits uh, unless unless it's like I I already don't trust the system right, uh, mm. but the thing is you could do that on blogs before too. You could go back and edit your blog, but there was ways to find out you, know, you delete your blog. But you could go to archive.org. Well, this is all proprietary stuff, and you can't go back and look at archive. It's not easy to look at old tweets that's are on archive.org because you sort of have to have the address already. Hmm. Right, they're not coded yeah. that way, so that they're you know you have That's to. It's a
1: f- snapshot of that page, but it's not the actual working website that you could go through.
0: Well, sometimes you can see well, everything. Sometimes you can do it, but you 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 kind of need to know what you're. You kind of need to have the address. So it's like in this city there was once a building that had uh, a sign on it. Right. Mm. You can find that uh, photograph, but you have to know where in the city to be looking at from because we could search for names of streets looking north looking south like it's almost like uh, Google street view is possible through archiving but without the street name and the direction there's no way for you to find the number that will give you the mm. the actual string that gives you the old and you also have to need to know when it was tweeted right so it, it well, I'm sort of going off off uh, topic a little bit but this is the I think the difficulty of of um of the world we live in now and why this book mm. is is becoming more relevant. Mm. Even if it was relevant at the time it seems like why did this bubble up into your it's hard and that's that's really hard to remember. Like I barely remember how I met you. I think it was yeah, like yeah. a comment on Twitter or email or something, right? Mm-hmm. And, but you found me. I think.
1: Yeah, well, I'd been listening to your podcast for ages. Um, I can't remember how long, but it's been quite a while. Um,
0: and you probably and then, found that through iTunes?
1: Yeah, I got into podcasting really uh, well. I started listening to podcasts really early um, when they were still like a really new thing and there was only like 70 of them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or I don't know. Um, not Maybe not that early. There was still a lot, but it was still like such a new thing. It wasn't quite as... Um, uh like commercial or set up as it is now mm-hmm. right but i remember i listened uh i remember when i was when i first listened to your podcast it was when you were still doing um you were talking about new audiobooks that mm-hmm. were coming out
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you would do a show and it just be like this is the you new release. new releases recent arrivals yeah yeah um so i remember that um, we can't keep
0: up literally another thing like it, it, when we started there would be a catalog of releases, and it was small. So, mm, mm. and now audiobooks are huge, right? Incredible. Yeah, so we could. There yeah. was no way to keep up. Like literally piles and piles of books, sending, trying to get them reviewed. Ah, impossible. I gave up on reviewing books. I think. I think uh, it was a, it was worthy of my attention for a time, but I probably stayed in it too long. I, I was trying to make it work when it wasn't working for me anymore. Mm. but i really appreciate people writing reviews so i was doing it you know like mm. be the thing that you want to see in the world or some nice happy crap like that right yeah yeah but uh yeah um okay so um yeah but I, 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 I think it's easy it d- was easier to find things when there's fewer things out there
1: yeah but um i agree with you that like uh Twitter should not have an edit button. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's
0: embarrassing to make a typo. I do it all the time and I usually delete the tweet and retweet it or I just suffer and think, oh my god, I'm an idiot. I mm. need that typo. When I'm writing, when I'm doing physical handwriting, I write so fast I leave letters out, like, the is usually th. Right? Because I'm trying to get the ideas down fast enough. In typing it's usually just a uh, not a good touch typer, so i'm usually off yeah. by a letter or something
1: well um i mean we've gone right off topic here right but i noticed when i'm writing stuff um if you're doing really quickly off the cuff you write sort of how you think which mm-hmm. is not so much in actually defined sentences right it's more just like chunks of words um That's why i'm saying no capitals so, like,
0: sometimes no punctuation lots of dashes for sure people um, read that way they get. Yeah. they get what I'm saying mostly. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I hope. Well, it's a, <laughs> um, as like you can even um, string, uh, like now, right? You could almost make content and information and can um, how do I, how do I say this? Uh, construct information just from hashtags because every oh, hashtag yeah. has this huge kind of backlog of information if you're familiar with it mm-hmm. right so it's almost like a symbol that conveys a bunch of information um, and you put string a couple of those together right then um, that's what he's
0: talking about right uh, but he has a negative bias against it uh, he does I'm I not sure he that he, he should yeah I'm not um, sure that well the thing is is at the beginning of the internet it was all text right it, when mm. you got an image or a spinning gif it was exciting yeah yeah (laughs) everybody wanted to color up their blogs uh, or whatever websites they were back at the beginning right but Mm. um now it's face facebook is the internet for most people twitter uh, or instagram or whatever right we uh, engage through apps Mm. Uh, like what's the difference between an app and a program oh it turns out that an app is a proprietary thing Right. Whereas mm-hmm. a program is a, is something that you put on, you install on your computer and you have control over. That seems to be the main difference between them.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a pretty nebulous concept.
0: <laughs> well, now um, it is.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. That's kind of, it's why you can't say something's a classic when it's not. Mm. Now, b- by the way, I wanted to do a little meta thing. So one of the, one of the, I, I don't get a lot of feedback on podcasts because I don't ask for it. Oh, yeah. did you hear that?
1: Is that thunder? Yeah. we had. A wow, th- that's... Uh, sounds like you got a serious storm going on.
0: Yeah, there was a huge thunderstorm... Well, not a thunderstorm, just regular rainstorm yesterday. Lots of... Oh, <laughs> now we're getting flooding in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, it's, it's my roommate running the water. Anyways, I wanted to say, like, we don't get a lot of feedback. And I think that's mostly because two things. One, um, I don't ask for it. <laughs> and if you ask for <laughs> things, you get it, right? <laughs> say waitress i'd like some more coffee please sometimes the waitress will come by and ask you if you want coffee but mostly they just you know wait because they're mm. busy or and you know honestly i don't go to restaurants i don't know what i'm talking about there but if you ask for things you tend to get them more than people who don't it's not that i don't want uh questions or comments it's just that i don't want to solicit them you know mm-hmm. and uh I- i'm very happy to engage with anybody But um, when things go wrong, that's when you get comments. So when the PDF page went down, I got a lot of people worried about it, right? Oh, do you know this is not Mm -hmm. working? I'm like, I can't deal with it right now. I'm sorry. I'm not home. Um, So we got that fixed. Um, But one of the things I do notice is that when people talk about um, what they like about the podcast, it's probably, I, I don't know if it's the majority of people, people like the extra stuff where we go off topic
1: yeah that's um like personally when i listen to podcasts um a lot like a lot of them will do a kind of weird cat like a catch-up at yep. the start or they'll talk about a specific thing before they go into they do like some banter yeah before they go into it and that was honestly like a big highlight for me for a lot of podcasts sure the reason i came there was to get information on the topic they're talking about right but it's a lot of the conversational stuff that is uh enjoyable to listen to
0: right so uh I I think this is like, well, you know, I always talk about ideas in science fiction being the thing I care about. And I think that's 100% true. But the way I get my ideas is through characters, as in people who wrote those books. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like um, Isaac Asimov uh, is more like an encyclopedia to me than he is like a, a, a fun guy to hang out with. Um, he knows a lot of stuff, he's done a lot of research. I think that's really cool. Um, but uh, Philip K. Dick is is a guy I want to read a lot of but don't want to hang out with because he might pull a gun on me and he might report me to the FBI, and he'll definitely hit on my wife. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But there's some people who are... Oh, more thunder. Who are really good at um, talking about whatever topic it is you're interested in, and when you hear them talking about real things with someone else who's interested in talking about those things, it doesn't really matter if they... Go- There's no such real thing as going off topic. This is why mm. Joe Rogan is so popular. The reason he's popular mm. is not because... I, d- I don't like professional uh, jujitsu matches. I don't care about that. I'm... I enjoy comedy. I don't care much about that. But when he is talking to somebody um, and asking them what they think about something... It leads to interesting places because he's actually interested Mm. right so it it, yeah I I put a you know so somewhere in the podcast I put a little outro music and then I usually throw the intro uh, techno babble at the beginning or the outro techno not techno babble why am I using that word Um, I use the after show or the pre show just as extra material Mm-hmm. I get a lot of positive feedback about that. And it's not, mm-hmm. I don't think it's only because people have long commutes, although some of them say they, they do. And I know that that's true. Uh, I like to have long shows. I think a lot of people think that having short shows is a good idea. And, you know, reading short and deep is popular, but it doesn't have anywhere in number the downloads the other one, uh, this one does. Mm. Um, uh, that might just be because one's older and one's newer, but maybe once like i know a lot of older people enjoy the shorter format show but i feel constricted there like sometimes there's a lot more in a short short thing than and we do it all the time here right we'll probably talk for four hours one of these books is four hours long the other is three hours
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we're not as dense but uh, as in uh densely packed with uh ideas not as stupid <laughs> As Mm -hmm. those books are, but uh, in allowing a little breathing room, you can feel like you're connecting. I think.
1: Yeah, I agree there, and I and um, it's uh, I agree. Like when you say you're never really going off topic, like you are, everything is relevant, even tangentially. Yeah. Right. So if you can, if you restrict yourself to, we only can talk about topics that are either in the book directly related to the book well like uh you know mark fisher's making a lot of points about capitalism and uh there's other things that he doesn't mention in the book that are just as relevant and mm-hmm. worth talking about um so yeah i agree with you. so your your question about feedback was uh is it good to go off topic or
0: uh i i think it, it's important to not overthink what people don't tell you about (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so uh you know nobody complains about the outro music or the intro music being too long i notice when i'm writing about blogs and well not blogs anymore podcasts um i mostly i like to issue both praise and uh criticism Mm. um First of all, it keeps me honest. If I'm attacking somebody for something they did stupidly, um, that means that you can trust me f- when I, I... And I can trust me when I say something's good. So I, I do, like, comics reviews, right? I, I read it, I say... You know, I kept reading this because I wanted it to be good. I love the art. Mm-hmm. But the, the writer, you know, he's thrown down some things that I like, but he just doesn't have the ability to make me care. And he doesn't mm. know where he's going with it, honestly. right? And other times I'm like, God yeah. damn, this art's so good. I, I want to read it, but I'm just going to, like, you know, I'm not going to read it. But then there's mm. other ones like, you know, the art's not so good here, but um, dude, look at this. Look at, look, at, look at what happened in this story. So, like, in the case of uh, Providence, right, we talked briefly about this, is a combination of great art and pretty good writing. Mm-hmm. Alan Moore's not my favorite, but he's pretty good, and he has some takes that are not my takes at all, but he thought everything through. Mm-mm. He may not have thought the whole arc through in every little bit of detail before he wrote it down. I don't think that's possible anyways, but he had an overarching idea, and he's going to deal with these instances, um, and then the art is just – it's incredible. So you combine those mm. two – like a, a, a deep passion in two directions – then it, it works. I think, mm-hmm. and, and we have to be like, we should call out the crappy things because if we don't, then it is really boring. Like uh, <laughs> intro, you know, like, so, uh, the other thing that I think is kind of cool is, you know, that we recording this now this will probably be out in seven months. So that thing about AOC mm. and her dress, that was like two days ago or whatever. Um, it's not going to seem very relevant. But what I notice mm. when I go to show note uh, later, those things are interesting again in a different way because we have a different perspective on them. Mm. You know, like wait six months and see how you feel. <laughs> now you'll yeah, see, yeah. right? Um, when I remember when 9-11 happened. You were probably a baby. Uh, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I was watching it on my CRT in my bedroom, the same bedroom I have now but it was a CRT, and it was a little one, a cathode ray tube, high up mounted on the wall by the... And I was like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> I remember thinking that. I was right. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a blog or a podcast at the time, but I remember, this is not going to go well. I probably sent an email to somebody to that effect, and I was like, they're not going to be able to control themselves. They're not going not, not gonna to do this right. But there was no way to, you know, go back and check on everybody like we we sort of have that for politicians you can go back and see what they how they voted or whatever but now we kind of have the ability to do that with everybody right Mm. at least you know if we have their twitter address for what 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 they said back then Mm. and keeping that kind of consistency of character over a long period of time that is incredibly revealing I think. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's the, op- it's the opposite of gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he- if, if we can see a pattern of uh, this behavior is like, he's consistent. He's consistent. Look, he made a misstep there, but turns out six months down the road, six years down the road, he was right. Mm. Um. So it's, it's like kind of like how, at what point in a movie when you're starting to watch it, do you say, this is fucked. I'm out of here. Right, I start watching a movie and I say, why is that guy saluting that other guy? He's a black man. This is 1941. That guy would not mm-hmm. salute that guy. I'm out of here. Because the, unless I'm missing something, that's just a, not caring about a historical detail. If they don't care, why do I care? How could I mm-hmm. possibly care about the thing they don't care? And you, perhaps you can take it too far, right? When I... I watch a movie set in a historical period and they have like a market scene. I get really upset about this on Twitter once in a while. They'll have like a new world parrot in Europe in thirteen hundred. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be any new world yeah, parrots there, uh, right? Uh, now that you could say um, that's a set person. dresser or whatever, right? But somebody didn't care. So why should I care?
1: Mm-hmm. Or didn't know, or just thought it would be cool. And
0: uh, <laughs> uh, of course, they thought it would be cool. That's that's where you get that Sean Hobbs movie, right? The uh, Fast mm. and the Furious thing. The, the the only reason they do things is because they think it's going to be cool, not because it makes sense or they have a, some overarching idea. Their only overarching idea being is squeeze more money out of this mm. product that's in your head, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's the capitalist realism.
1: Well, when when the motive is um, profit, right, and uh, which it is for most of those big, uh, like big, well, it is for basically all of the big production companies, right. right? But um, one thing I sort of disagreed with Fisher about was he essentially making the argument that um, things were becoming more generic. So, for instance, like if you want to take uh, big productions or a lot of the big movies, they t- like you know we've had like five spider-man right reboots in the past 15 years yep. which is a is a really strong evidence that <laughs> things are becoming more generic yep. but also i think that despite that there are also way more weird movies that have come out um I at the same to, time i
0: wanted to talk to you about a, uh, an example i thought of while reading mm-hmm. this the second book the um well, i'm calling it the second book the weird in the eerie um I'm trying to remember the name of it, but uh, it was sort of an independent, uh, weird fiction movie about two brothers who were going back to a uh, a uh, religious uh, cult they were in. Do you remember this movie's name? I'm pretty sure you've seen it. No. Oh, it's really good. Um, And uh, what happens in the movie could be described as uh, like it. I think people are calling it Lovecraftian, but it's actually it's more like eerie things happen rather than weird things happen. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about it that way before. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie, but it's not coming.
1: I'm to just me. gonna Google yeah. it real Go quick. Go for it. They
0: yeah. um, they made they made like a, a a pair or three movies, I think, and I've seen either two or three of them Lovecraft like movies, not Lovecraft movies. Let's see what we get. At the Endless. That's the one. 2017. Have you seen this? I've never even heard of this. Oh, good. Well, now you have it, something to watch. Is it good? It is good. It's, it's interesting. It's got a very low rating on IMDb. What a shocker! Um, mm. And oh, oh, get this. This is what I'm talking about. 6.5 with 38,000 votes on t- IMDb and 92% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. What do mm. you what do you to make of these two figures? 6.5 is pretty low, right? yeah, yeah. I, I usually it used to be my rule I wouldn't watch anything uh, under seven. Seven or above, I would watch, right? But then I started letting my standards fall. I went down six point nines practically seven. And now I like I don't trust anything you say. <laughs> so, mm. um, this is about uh, two, yeah, I, as kids, they escaped a UFO death cult. Now two adult brothers seek answers after an old videotape surfaces and brings them back to where they began. So they go back to the California commune that they grew up on and they escape from and they sort of recognize they're recognized by the people there. Um, but they're also relying heavily on their own memories and what they told each other about their escape, which we don't really Mm. see. We see them as adults and they have, it, it'd be a very good movie for Mark Fisher to have, uh, reviewed. Maybe he did. Um, they have shitty capitalist jobs and on the commune of course that's not how they lived right but mm. um when the it, this is I, I guess slightly based on the um the death cult that do you remember there was a death cult where they heaven's gate heaven's I gate that, it's kind of based yeah. on that except the the ufo's are not really ufo's they're more like uh it's more um it's more like Algernon blackwood's the willows than it is like uh, uh yeah. aliens coming there um, and there's time uh, relations, and we have time relations in in Mark Fisher's book. I, yeah. I kind of want so, to read everything he's written now.
1: Um. Yeah. I'm definitely. I think I I'm going to savor them a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. I really enjoyed the weird in the eerie. I don't want to. Because it, it could be something that you could just power absolutely through. Yeah. Rush through. Yep. But they are so kind of. Uh, he's really saying something, right? Yeah, and also like uh, when I read the 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 weird and the eerie. To me, when I read that, I'm like, "This is good information." He's done some good stuff defining these things. But really, it's also like a bit of a shopping list. It is because I just want to read and look and watch everything that he's talking about. And that's kind of that's kind of
0: what I'm talking about. Like it used to be, our job was to try and watch the things, the, the three things that we wanted, right? Mm. And now it's our job to find the three things that we can honestly say to someone else, this is what you want.
2: Yeah. And yeah.
0: that's kind of a weird thing. It used to be I would go to IMDb and I would write the reviews and I would, and this is before my blog, right? I would say, this movie's good and this is why. And people who like this will like it because of this, right? Um, mm. And then I'm like, I'm a great writer. <laughs> I would say to myself, I would literally say it, but I would think I'm satisfied with this work, right? <laughs> Now, now, our job seems to be click a like button or rate out of five, right? So, you can write anything on the iTunes review for a podcast. As long as you write something, it could be like just a bunch of letters on your keyboard, right? doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. words. And then you rate it five. That counts. They don't look Mm -hmm. at the words, right, when they're aggregating this stuff. Now, some people will go to iTunes and read the reviews, and they'll read the one-star reviews and the five-star reviews, just like on Amazon or whatever, or Goodreads. But I want the thing without the ratings now, because the ratings are all gained. Companies hire people to go on their website and click and rate and subscribe. And not subscribe. Uh, They do that, too, though, right? And lots of Twitter accounts, too, right? Right. Fake fake yeah, followers
1: just, and yeah, there's bots that um, I suppose that could do it. I you 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 can literally
0: kinda... pay like 150 bucks and get a whole bunch of followers, right? And For sure, yeah. And, and but movies have incredible interest in doing this. So uh, given mm-hmm. that now we can't trust anything, and do you remember Netflix used to not have a rating system, like, mm-hmm. and then it had one, and then it took it away. After, like, a Mm -hmm. sort of a little mini-scandal with people hating on something. And then now they give you, like, you'll like this, you won't like... uh, Or they give you, you'll like this, but they won't give you a rating for anyone's below a certain threshold. It's all about, like, manipulating you to, like, try and engage more. And Mm, help them... It's
1: unpersonalized.
0: Yeah. But the thing is, is, you know, the things I said... I went through this process, and I said, I like this movie and that movie, and... You know, gives me two movies to choose from, and I choose the one I like. And then the things they, they would show me are nothing like what I want.
2: Mm. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: What I want is like an old 70s movie uh, that's a political thriller disguised, or it's a, uh, uh, uh existential movie disguised as a political thriller, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also wanted to talk to you about The Stone Tape, because you said you watched that.
1: Yeah, I did. Um, You'd never so, seen it before, right? Uh, no, I hadn't.
0: What, I vaguely knew it? about it.
1: I thought it was really good. Yeah. I thought it was um, excellent. It had, um, I think uh, it it has dated a bit, but... Um, well, we now
0: have SSDs, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was thinking even more in terms of like the people talk and the whole thing is written and set like a mm, 70s movie, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is awesome because I love that style, Um but it would have I think it would have maybe benefited from its, like uh more modern effects, possibly. I don't know. Um There is a just audio drama be- version that's
0: more modern, but it was not as special.
1: Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, Did you notice the, the end, connection? Oh sorry, go for it. Well the reveal at the end was something which I thought was really good. Um like the way they portrayed the entity that was in the stone
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, or in the stones was really quite scary, but it was also very seventies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, uh, but I thought it was a really like, uh, it was well-written. Um, and
0: Agile Neal's got the goods.
1: Yeah, he does. It was, and it was a great like science fiction in the sense of like, there's a phenomenon where investigating it, um, and it had that feel of like I don't know whether this was like a BBC uh, movie, but oh, I just I remember don't, I like I
0: think it was, but it was it might have been a TV movie. I'm not sure.
1: Well, it's certainly from that that era of British TV mm-hmm. or film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it had that feel about it in the way that people talked, in the way people um, uh, characters were written and set up. I thought the main fella who was like leading the project would never. Um, He probably wouldn't be a character like that Mm. these days. Mm -hmm. They would never write him like that because he's so unlikable. And I, I, you know, that's his point, right? Um, but they would make him almost, but you could almost see like he is unlikable, but he was more real as a human being. Uh, today they would make him, I think more Mm cartoonishly bad. They would just make him an absolute jerk. Um, so, uh, yeah, overall, overall, thought it was good. It makes me want to check out a lot more. Um, yeah, he's Nigel Neal stuff. He's mostly known for those
0: Quatermass movies, and I, I he, thought, he makes a lot about the 1979 one. It's just called Quatermass, and it's he in this book, right? He talks about how it's sort of like the the 60s going into the future, and then how that is mm-hmm. disappointing, and everything's environmentally broken, and it's a uh, malaria, millenarian end-of-the-world sort of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have watched that, and I, I feel like I need to watch it again, because I... I and I did appreciate it. Um, because it's difficult. It's... It, it, he, he really brings in, like, difficult concepts. And I want to I wanna actually note that when I watched the stone tapes, or the stone tape, I, I think it was first, and then I watched Quatermass, um... But I didn't notice like they're actually about the same thing. If yeah, well they're about he like takes... uh, pro, like information within within on uh, objects, right? Now that yeah. the, there's the, they sort of play with that in Quater, Quatermass and the Pit, being that the ship is alive or whatever. But even the the uh, he the ghosts, uh, Fisher talks um, about yeah how. Uh, uh, things that are dead are actually uh, every, there, nothing that's alive, and nothing is alive. Um, it's just that um, s- some things are, that are dead are also uh, classified as temporarily alive or something like that. Right? <laughs> so that um, mm-hmm. it's a better way of understanding what's going on. Um, it, it's that those recordings, uh, those um, things that are locked inside of objects like skulls and uh, relics from 5 million years ago have power today, mm-hmm. in a way. And and I think that that's really, like, he's very subtle. I didn't notice it the first time I watched uh, Qu- Quatermass in the Pit, like I was saying about the, the military guys' uh, demand that we go to Mars and uh, there's nothing alive there, um, and we're going to use it to dominate the other powers, right? We're in this race to uh, mm-hmm. compete. And and then thinking about how uh, how it plays out, th- at the end there isn't like a, well we solved this. <laughs> we, we're getting past our our, our uh, it, it's almost it's a little bit like what um uh, uh, the Scientology guy, what's his name? L. Ron Hubbard, right? Mm-hmm. If you dig down deep into his uh, religion, this is actually kind of like he's saying we have these these things put in us by aliens, right? And that they're causing trauma in our own lives, <laughs> and we got to mm-hmm. get those things out. And you'll use this little machine and take these interviews. And if you believe in it enough, and you you cut out your family, then you will ultimately. Uh, <laughs> I gotta wait. Yeah, I minute to stop go, washing dishes. Go,
1: yeah, go clear.
0: <laughs> you have to go clear, right? Um, yeah, he, but he's not doing it. Saying this is actually what's going on. He's saying. Um, wouldn't this be interesting? And I'm like, yeah, it is really interesting because it allows us to look at, um, why do we need to s- build military rockets to kill other people? Oh Yeah. Why are we doing that? For reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. So it doesn't connect with the capitalism end of it, but it is, there is no alternative, right? We have to do yeah. this.
1: Yeah. Or it's, it's, uh, some inherently a part of us. Um, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say before that um the Stone Tape and Quatermass in the Pit are similar in the sense that um, both of them kind of start from this supernatural mm-hmm. perspective. Like there's a supernatural Yeah, he mystery. dismisses, uh, both, Quatermass dismisses that stuff, right? Well, I think he's open-minded to it in a weird way where he's like, he doesn't, he doesn't go, oh, well, this is nothing. He goes, there's some kind of phenomenon here. I think because he experiences it. Well, we, we
0: also watched two different versions, but um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. right, okay. At okay, one point, yeah. the lady comes Good in point. the version I've watched. Uh, at one point, the lady comes to him and says, "I did all this extra research at the library. You really need to look at this." And he starts looking at it and says, "This is this," and then he sort of nonsense. pushes away. And she says, "Look at this one." And not nonsense. It's like this is just not science. This is not anything I need. I can talk about or think about right and that Um, what's funny is that actually is what uh mark fisher's doing too right he's talking about things that are on the periphery of reality mm -hmm. so when aoc does the defense of her dress she says she literally looks up the word irony and says i wasn't doing this ironically i believe in these things and it's not that I think that she was doing it ironically. That's, that's a straw man of her. What I think is exactly what Mark Fisher is saying is, is you don't know what you're doing. You say you're for taxing the rich. but well, when you have the power to do so, you don't do it. Mm. How is that possible? Because the only person who can get into that position is a person who can get into that position. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If you were a person who stood by principle and says, "When I get there, I'm going to fuck things up," um, and you get there and you fuck things up, <laughs> you couldn't have got in that position, because yeah. or if you do, what happens? Like in parallax view, right? That's mm-hmm. the. Yeah. Uh, that's the. Uh, so, uh, it isn't the case that everybody, you know. Uh, I, I think. Uh, I think he actually was over reading Parallax View, talking about whether the company actually exists or not. I think the company exists. I think, mm. but as to who or what is running it, I think that that um, the thing is is, as soon as I understood the idea that these these you take these personality tests, I'm like, dude, somebody could do this, right? Did yeah, you see the sure. questions, right? And like yeah. when he's pretending to be one of these these uh, essentially psychopaths Mm -hmm. dude when i watched the video of what he was submitted to like uh, under the style of uh clockwork orange you know hold hold your fingers on the pads watch this video and it shows mom and then it shows dad and then it shows country i I was getting programmed (laughs) yeah yeah right it's powerful and the thing is is it, that's uh, that's not a lie. It's a metaphor, right? Mm. The fact that uh, there are people who are subscribed to the Snickers account—I don't know how it happened. <laughs> yeah, but people are literally subscribed <laughs> to the Snickers account, probably because it was entertaining and they they couldn't believe their eyes, and also they like Snickers. Sure, and they go together, right? But what is the alternative? Mm. Are you going to go on? Uh, uh, some other platform that doesn't exist. Whenever mm-hmm. there's a new platform, it gets bought by one of the other ones or crushed, right? Mm. There is the no It's just that,
1: um, yeah, I think like, part of it is uh, like, the central capitalist argument of capitalist realism. Right? It, I think the, film, the uh, book actually has a question mark. The only... Is there any alternative? I think is the subtitle. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that
0: was when he had hope book before t- he killed himself, is my, my thesis. It's a comedy yeah, thesis, yeah. but it also could be true.
1: Yeah. Um uh, so it's it's asking that question, right? Mm-hmm. Is there any alternative? Mm-hmm. But it's a bit it's a bit like these big platforms like Twitter or something. Right. Um because they have such clout. And they are the main platform. It's like somebody wants to it's watch the a public video square on the internet. Yeah, there there is only. Um, well, you can go to other video sites. They but nobody exist. does. None. Yeah, they just it has a gravity because I mean it is like gravity, right? Mass accumulates in one area, and then it just keeps on. The bigger it gets, the more pull it has and ability to pull yeah. in other things. Um, and it, in in a sense, capitalism is a bit like that. Like. Uh, there, there are alternatives. They're not really as good. Um, you are kind of. Uh, it's hard to resist the capitalism in the way it is. You're kind of part of the system. Um,
0: Do you know? You know about Aaron Schwartz? I, I talk about him quite a lot. Um, no, Aaron Schwartz. Uh, so. uh, he got promoted a little bit by um, uh, Boing Boing, the blog, before. It's probably still around, Boing Boing, but I, n- I don't know it. <laughs> you never heard of this blog, Boing Boing? No. Okay. Cory Doctorow, you heard of him? Uh, a- sort of. I, v- I vaguely know the name. Okay. So, Cory Doctorow is still around. He's still writing books. Um, his books aren't that interesting uh, to read because he's just met much better at explaining his ideas just like in a in a video Um, so he makes characters and plots and stuff, but really he, he, he's an ideas guy. And so if you watch his, his videos of him talking about his stories, it sounds like a really good story. And then when you read it, you you essentially, well, at least I essentially got the idea from his story, uh, from Mm. him telling about what's in this story. Right. He's got one like, uh, unauthorized bread, I think it's called. And it's, I've not read it, but I know the story. It's about uh, some immigrants who move into a new apartment and they sign on the lease that they will follow the, you know, the rules of the apartment building. And it's got a dishwasher in it and it's got a a toaster in it. Um, But you can't put dish, any old dishes in the dishwasher. It won't play if you don't let the dishwasher. If the dishwasher detects non-authorized dishes, it won't clean the dishes if you put bread that wasn't uh purchased from the right brand it won't accept the bread so unauthorized bread right yeah it's a good idea (laughs) it sounds like a great story you don't need to read it i just told you the idea it's a really good idea so um cory doctor is really good he's kind of like um imagine the hero from case a case from uh neuromancer william gibson's book really good at picking out trends and um, picking up on ideas. He was big er- early in on something called Creative Commons, which is now pretty much suppressed. Um, and more mm-hmm. importantly, um, there was this kid who he met somehow at one of these events that he was doing early on in the internet named Aaron Schwartz. And I'm calling him a kid because he died at age 26, but he was uh, very young, like in his early teens when he started working on things that, uh, you know, would get you rich if you lived in Silicon Valley. Um, mm. He invented what's called RSS. RSS is what podcasts are. Um, mm. RSS is what Twitter is made out of. RSS is what YouTube is. When you subscribe, uh, it stands for real simple syndication, also stands for something else. Um, the only reason podcasts exist is because he invented this thing and he made it free, right? hmm Blogs came into existence because he made this thing that allowed everybody to communicate wirelessly, independently, without a central thing. Once you subscribe to a thing, uh, to an RSS feed, you get it automatically, just like a podcast, right? So early on, uh, people were blogging and that's where blogs came from, right? Because of this kid. Uh, he killed himself. After the US government, uh, went after him, uh, for doing something that was leg, technically legal, but they said was technically illegal. He was taking all the law books at a university that were illegal for students to act, access, and he was mm-hmm. downloading them. Uh, and then he was putting them on the internet out from behind a paywall. Um, then, uh, mm-hmm. after all that happened, the, the blogosphere was killed, literally killed, by a combination of two things. One, uh, a feed reader from um, Google that had taken over most of uh, – that is, RSS blog reader – that had taken over most people were using that. When Google deleted that service, everybody lost access to their Twitter uh, – not their Twitter accounts, their blog accounts. They lost all their mm. blog links because it doesn't the, – the thing doesn't exist anymore – The software that ran it doesn't exist. You would have to have been using another one. And then Twitter Mm. was in around the same time, took over. So everything that, that, uh, so YouTube, Twitter, blogs, uh, podcasts are the only thing that's left that's independent, right? And that's a crazy idea. But it's literally true that it's the only thing that's left that's independent. Now, what's what they've been trying to do with podcasts is, you know, Google has a podcast feature. And, of course, there's all these other serious uh, – not serious. Um, uh, What's the one that Joe Rogan's on? I don't know. It's uh, Spotify. Spotify, yeah. I that, think. It's a podcast yeah. reader. And Audible has a podcast reader. So the only thing that's kept podcasts independent is that there's been – no one since the first one, which was iTunes and the literally the i iPod, right? That's where podcasts got their name from. Podcasts only existed because of a combination of the iPod and mm-hmm. the ability to look for podcasts that were submitted to itunes now there's like five thousand, and there was always like a few other podcast directories but there's the those were all sort of like little tiny little things right some guy's Mm. website that he wanted you to go rate and submit and all that stuff now it's like they scrape and they put it in and if they're going to commercialize it they technically want your permission they say claim your podcast i get these emails like all day long right But Mm. if if it is the case that somebody can independently, you know, delete all the things somehow, uh, which they can't seem to do because it's not consolidated. But I I was just talking to a guy I did a podcast with the other day. He says his phone doesn't work with the, the iTunes, whatever, the podcasting app that is built into iPhones anymore. So he hasn't been listening to podcasts. That's all it it takes is you just break the connection between the independent people and whatever is floating around in the air seems to be the thing that people will gravitate to. So remember before Facebook, there was MySpace, right? Mm. I don't know what, uh, I don't know that transition very well, but I do know the one about blogs pretty well. And I do know that it's amazing. Somehow podcast, I mean, they, They've deleted a few podcasts out of the iTunes directory. You know, like, uh, what's the uh, guy they always call? Us, conspiracy theorist? Out of, uh, I don't know, he's one of Joe Rogan's friends. Anyways, <laughs> he mm. got deleted. And he got his uh, YouTube channel deleted. And, of course, lots of YouTube channels get deleted or demonetized, at least. And mine was demonetized, mm. not because I did anything that offended. It's just I wasn't trying, trying hard enough to be a share, uh as a sharecropper for their yeah. farming um that that is where i'm saying like you need to be more cynical my friend <laughs> uh, this well, um, they killed this kid they killed this kid mm. for doing what we think of as like uh, developing uh, a whole architecture that everyone in the world is is using now podcasts and mm. uh, and a uh, youtube and His reward was, um, threatened with lawsuits, hundreds of years in jail for nothing. For, for Mm. something that we, we think of as like basically doing Gutenberg, gutenberg Gutenberg.org. And he wasn't doing it for money, he was doing it to help people.
2: Mm. Hmm.
0: Don't threaten the power, my God. You'll get it.
1: It's pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's like, it's like what they, they do to Julian Assange, right? But the difference is, um, this was like, it wasn't. Uh, he was leaking something. He's just, he's just like taking something from behind a paywall that was legitimately taken, takeable from behind a paywall one at a time, and he automated it, right, so that it could mm. be done in real time, very quickly, scraping everything. And that's rent seeking. That that idea of you know, it was J Store, if you know what JSTOR is, because you you were in university, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it was JSTOR that he was he was getting everything out of. And He was at MIT, mm. he put a computer in a closet, he started uh the, connected it to the Wi Fi and just downloaded and downloaded and every once in a while I'd go in and dump the hard drive and uh that's what got him on the FBI radar. Mm. Crazy. And and this is yeah. this is like uh A guy who you knew, yeah. Aaron Schwartz Memorial sign at Internet Archive headquarters. Wow. Like, he's Mm -hmm. largely responsible. It's like you take uh, Einstein and you say, hey, uh, we didn't like what you did uh, (laughs) with your book giving away for free. So here's what we're going to do we're going to throw you in jail. That's like horrible.
1: Hard used by, like, considering what he has contributed to society if he created RSS. Yeah. Um, that technology and then gave it out for free. And you've that's never heard amazing, of him, right?
0: And, and and that's the that's um, the crazy thing, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he
0: he should um. be like on uh you know if we had a an international dollar <laughs> he should be on his face should be on there. An international Bitcoin mm. dollar bill. His face would be on there. Because he contributed mm. so much to, like, modern internet technology.
2: Yeah, it, yeah.
0: It, it, you know, you know who uh, Bill Gates is. You know who um, who uh, Steve Jobs was, right? It was Steve Wozniak, mm-hmm. but you never heard of this guy. And he's even more recent than those guys.
1: It's just yeah. he
0: was not playing by the rules, so he's not a billionaire and he's dead.
1: Yeah. Fuck. Mm. Sad story. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty crap. Um, I might. I'll have to read through his Wikipedia article. Yeah, and definitely. Figure out some more stuff. Mm. Anyway, I might have to. You, uh, need, you
0: need to pee, dude. Up. You you had coffee like four hours ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, three and I, and I need, hours I need another coffee. Oh,
0: yeah, well, <laughs> as well. Is it afternoon there now?
1: It's about twelve thirty. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's afternoon. It's noon.
0: It's Almost directly. Seven thirty-eight.
1: Um, yeah. Um,
0: so let's just uh, briefly talk about when we can schedule Silmar and whatever else you want to do.
1: Sure. Um, okay. So, well, you also wanted to talk about a story based on Silmar. Oh,
0: I I, um, I would probably save that for the show. I'd have to remember a part of it as well. <laughs> um, write it down, uh, well, and then
1: uh, and then
0: I, let's, when let's I play read play. when I read the story again, I will be able to. Um, I will be... Uh, I didn't write this story. I was planning, you know, how the story would be. I'm mostly planning... Uh, yeah, students. plotting it out. Yeah, just, like, thinking, like, okay, if... It, one of the hard things about writing uh, about places you've never been is you need to train up so fucking hard. I've I never know, been to yeah. the Black Sea. Uh, I cannot... Uh, the reason... There's reason to set it there and not uh, on an island I've been to around here. Um, but, yeah. But... Uh,
1: I wanted to set a story in uh, the medi- medieval times. And then oh, dude. <laughs> I started writing and I was like. You don't I even know, know how they, they go through a doorway, right? Exactly. <laughs> I have no clue what day today is. Who do they brush or, their like, teeth right? with? The story. He's like, oh, he, the, this kid gets up. Um, well, what the hell is his morning like? <laughs> yeah. What's, does he go to work? What like, time does he, have he to get work up? In the yeah. Field? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where does what he, does he plug in his iPhone?
0: I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. It does there's so much that goes uh goes through. Yeah. Um like so much research and stuff. Yeah, you it, have, to you have to write you have to write
0: about something you're super familiar with, right? Or you have mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. very careful. I mean this is what modern fantasy novels, you know, they're just writing dungeons and dragons basically.
1: And, yeah, and they say, yeah. "No,
0: mine's I, different." And I'm like, nah, come on, man. <laughs> really? No, nah, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same.
1: I just, honestly just um yeah, just call it generic fantasy world, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it doesn't matter. I'd still read it because uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's not about the world. Yeah, world building doesn't do much for me. But uh,
0: no, but it, it, um, it can inf- it 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 could. Tr- it's like I was saying, you know, like if you don't care about the tiny little details, like whether New World parrots are there, whether electricity, like mm. some people don't know, like they don't know when electricity came into being, right? Mm. And there's people on TV telling them lies about when it came into being. So how are we going to know what to trust? Uh, how can I buy into something? How can you? How can you possibly, Connor? How can you possibly teach me anything if the basic things you're telling me are already can't wrong? Be upon. Right? Yeah. Are already wrong. Yeah. Well, you can't. Right? You say the mm. the three suns went up in the morning. I say this is on another planet, and you say no, no. I'm like okay. <laughs> I'll give you hmm. another sentence, but I'm not going to go much farther unless, you know. So to me, like um, I, re- I really when I was reading um, uh, the first book of um, Game of Thrones, I wanted to know like if they did have Earth's moon, and I, I and it, because it was uh. really important.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that, um, I don't know, maybe – what did you think about the the seasons in that, which make no – people have tried to figure out if oh. it would be possible yeah. for such a thing to exist I and, mean, uh, and basically no.
0: I don't know. I uh, there, I think he mostly distracted us from that, you know, mm. by throwing a lot of uh, nude, nude – I mean, the show did a lot of nudities. Uh, the book did the same with um, – you know surprising scenes and stuff so i i do not know um i don't remember the prose being that interesting i thought that the the character interactions between each other were fairly interesting but not enough to keep reading after the first book
1: yeah i, I went all the way to the end but i think not, it's not over but you can't go to the end oh no you know you mean the yeah, show sure. or the uh the uh no the books okay they're not over i read i read up until the first yeah no i'm uh, i'm still i've forgotten everything about the books yeah i read them like that's why you uh, have to reread like them the, and buy new copies seriously <laughs> almost 10 years ago now wow. and uh and that was when you know and we're still like so i've forgotten everything i don't know whether i could even go back to it at this point but um
0: did you know uh, that I, okay. I have a picture of scott with uh george R, R. martin
1: i didn't know that yeah that's cool when did you meet him
0: uh 2006 we went to a los angeles science fiction convention only world science world con i'd ever been to um mm. and i i brought my cool. mom's camera that had uh diskettes you put floppy disks in it <laughs> to take pictures oh my cameras, right <laughs> um i probably could dig that up somewhere but uh he was, cool. he was that's like, our, he, he was, yeah, that's before the show, way before the show. It was, a, he was a rock star though. Um, oh, you couldn't believe the entourage of women. It was crazy. Oh, really? oh yeah. <laughs> we saw him in the cool. dealer's room, but when the, the, there was like a con suite party, like going just mm. down the hallway to get into that thing was crazy. I didn't go in, but, uh, um, mm. I was in the, on the podcasting track pod that was that was uh, scott recognized i'm like who that?
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's hilarious yeah cool
0: yeah
1: um so um so i'm just looking i pulled up the schedule here yeah because 10 31 the when first open do... date june uh, sorry where? uh, uh 10 31
0: would be uh
1: october oh okay. hey halloween yeah hey um cool Unless there's an awesome Halloween story you want to do. Uh, um, no, because remember, it comes out seven months later. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, fair. Yep, no, I reckon I'm going to... 4 p.m.? Just pull up my calendar. All right. Um, you know... Oh, that like was, Roughly the same...
0: Yeah, yeah same time?
1: R- yeah, roughly the same time we're doing this one at work.
0: Okay, so that wouldn't uh, be... I think that would probably on, be on the day before, because it would be a Saturday. Let me just bring it up. Uh, September, October thirty. Yeah, that would be a Sunday. So we'd be doing it on the 30th if we're doing it on Saturday on my my end.
1: Okay. Um, 4 p.m.? Yeah, that looks good. All right. Um,
0: Who's the author? The mystery... Oops.
1: The mystery... Hugh Irish.
0: Right. Of... Silmare by Hugh Irish. Irish right. hue would be green, get it?
1: True.
0: Okay. The other book I was thinking a really interesting book to do would be um, I think it, I think it's The Wind in the Willows. No, was it? In the Willows, you know that
1: book? Uh, yeah. God, who wrote that? Uh, Kenneth Graham. He wrote um, some other stuff uh i'm trying to think um
0: and there's one version on Librivox. i haven't read this since i was a kid uh uh classic story of how rat mole and the other river bankers saved toad from his excesses maybe i'm thinking about this because of the way he described that under the skin movie as a fable (laughs) with with uh, (laughs) the humans being the animals book has it all excitement sentiment destruction of private property plenty of that paganism and a happy ending prose is beautifully occasionally requires the use of the dictionary i had to look up As- asperities okay written uh, this is i guess the root yeah that's the narrator who's summarizing it um there was that one version on librivox that is done yeah i'm pretty sure uh, let's see if this plays can you hear that? Yeah, a little bit. It's it's a whisper version. <laughs> Weird. She whispers the whole bug. I'll send yeah. you the file.
1: It's a thing. I don't. I
0: it's I don't understand why that's a thing for people. To, but um, I, it's supposed to make you feel. Yes, uh, you know, automated um, something response. I think it's just a sex thing. I don't yeah sort of I don't really understand it but um there's a regular version there too I'm pretty sure <laughs> Yeah and it's um it's like a long it's a full novel length 7 hours 46 minutes But um mm. I'm sure we can get people in for that I just uh thinking about that's a, a an old book that we can practice on before we get to doing the Hobbit and stuff like that when Tolkien's public domain in
1: Canada. Mm. We got to get
0: you trained up too.
1: Not long. <laughs> I'm making yeah, you do man. it, <sighs> <sighs> dude. I'm only I'm only just jumping back into doing um, Almiric.
0: Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that.
1: After well, you got it like uh, a year and 15
0: SM. months. 15 months is okay before I get there. We need to get uh, the Hobbit. Uh, out on January 1st uh 2023
1: Yeah well I got to figure out how to record faster cuz um like I love recording and stuff and making audiobooks but like the difficulty is just it takes so bloody long like uh you,
0: I think, if you have um, a proof listener in the room um mm-hmm. I think that that they can catch you on stuff but it it's yeah. it's, it's like most people who are doing this now don't don't have that person, right? The professional students yeah, no. are only for like when the celebs come to do their recording, not when like mm. Wayne June does it all himself. You could hire yeah, someone, and, to and do it takes it, ages, just, yeah.
1: And if, if you don't do it, like I do it as I go, I'll read like a paragraph yeah. and then listen back, yeah. But if you don't do that, um, and then you have to go back later and re record, it's always really obvious that you've done it, yeah that you kind of punching in a recording oh, thing, yeah. which I don't like. No, it's terrible. I want it to be seamless. Yeah. But um so but it also just takes um like I make a shocking number of mispronunciations and I have to re-record a thing or I uh, yeah. I mumble a word for some reason. Um so
0: But some things are easier to read than others, you know, like
1: reading Poe is way easier
0: than reading uh you know, like science fiction authors mostly.
1: Yeah, yeah. His, his, yeah, true.
0: He pays more attention to the detail.
1: And, and you know, things yeah. that are made to be read aloud, some things just aren't made to be read aloud. Yeah. They're too wordy. There's not enough, there's not spaces in the, for breaths in the right. In, in
0: about uh, a month points and a half, so you're, you're going to need to listen to the show I did on a poem, uh, a cosmicism poem, uh, you know, Lovecraft's okay. philosophy. Because I, yep. uh, uh we do those, you know, like we don't do any prep, uh, you know, like the, the whole Mm -hmm. conversation is like, okay, I'm going to, I just say, you know, you ready? And I say, hi, I'm Jesse. He says he's Eric. Uh, we usually discuss whether he's going to read it or not. Right. Like whatever story it is or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I have to do a lot of like, because it's good thing that it's, you know, it's short stuff, but I like. I had to do like a, um, a lot of work uh, prepping for that one because I didn't know anything about the author and there was nothing online. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I somehow got on the tangent of what cosmicism was, and I didn't want to use the Wikipedia entry because the citations were outside of the thing. So I just, you know, said what it was basically. And I was listening to myself as I was talking, like, you're not stumbling over this. You're doing a really good job. I think it's going to be, like, one of the best little, you know, sections I've ever said about what something is. It was, and I, it's because I've said it many times before. It's yeah, so about the age of the earth and how big the universe For sure. is. And, right? So, if it's something you're fairly familiar with, then I don't think it's as hard.
1: No. Are you and super it,
0: familiar it, with it, Tolkien?
1: Um, you've read it, right? No. Like I've read all these books. Yeah. I've, I've read Hobbit, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, but not familiar in the way where, um, uh, like for instance, I read through Al Murek mm-hmm. and then I, second time through, I recorded it or I'm in the process of recording it. And it was easier then, but it's not the same as when, um, there's still like that's coming directly from in your brain, right? Right? Oh no, no! Of course, thoughts. it's different. You, yeah. Mm.
0: But but uh, you know when but I read it Poe, it's way easier because I've read it many times. You know, aloud with students. Mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I no. I think it, I think it won't be as hard as you think. For uh, I mean, uh, The Hobbit is super familiar to me, even though I haven't read it mm. in forever. Uh... And it's also, I think it's just easier. It's like written for kids. Mm. I mean, there's a troll in it at the beginning, right?
2: And we don't get any yeah.
0: trolls in, in in Lord of the Rings. They, oh, they, they do see them, but they don't
1: have any interaction with them. Yeah, yeah. It's a exactly. callback. Um. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So we wanted to, I'm free at the end of October. Um, free as in, in beer? It's, you know that uh, expression what? free as beer free
0: as in beer that's one, uh, of, the, that's no one of the ones from in beer this is one of the ones from uh, early on uh, f- uh, free free as in speech or free as in beer so uh, one is free from and one is f- free to take right yeah, so yeah. You, you're f- if you have free speech you can say whatever you want if you have free mm-hmm. beer here's a beer and I hand it to you it doesn't cost you anything So, uh, somebody's saying gratis versus libre, right? Gratis means free as in, like, you get it for free without paying anything. Libre means uh, you can uh, do what you want with it.
1: Okay, so I guess libre, um, which which meaning that... I I have to pay? Fuck!
0: I don't have any money! (laughs) (laughs) mine Bitcoin and get in the capitalism market. I hate this. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Okay, that's great. Why Why are you going to be free? You're free that day because of uh, liberation? I, from- well, I just... I checked
1: my calendar. Oh, okay, um, good. <laughs> okay. So I'm free from the confines of <laughs> my schedule. I was thinking
0: I a good name for... Uh, I was thinking today, because we're having that federal election um, on Monday. I already voted by mail. But uh, I was thinking a really good name for a, a political party would be the guillotine party. Mm. Just because it makes the the guillotine is, is really fun. I've already been working like on, you know, we're going to chop off all the billionaires heads, but we we will mm-hmm. have people argue for who gets to be first in line and last in line. So, and everybody gets ice cream. So, you know, Mark Cuban, uh Bill Gates, uh Mark Zuckerberg, they're all on the list. They're all getting the guillotine. Mm. My argument is that um uh the guy who does uh, tele- Tesla, what's that guy's name? Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah, he's last in line because he okay. does interesting stuff with his money while he's being evil. But he gets an ice cream too. They him. all get ice creams. And then <laughs> people say, well, billionaires isn't far enough. We need to go farther down the list. I say, okay, hundred millionaires, I think they can go too. Right. And we have this mm. argument and we start from a position of, uh, of guillotining, um, everybody at the top. <laughs> and then working our way down the list. And hopefully it won't go to the French Revolution way where, you know, we're guillotining the guy who invented the guillotine. And we're guillotining the guy who guillotined too many people. <laughs> we got to limit it oh somehow. So that's going to be the, the terms of the debate when I get up on the – I don't want to be in the debate stage. But when we get somebody to go up on the b- debate – uh, the other way I was thinking was get an AI party. We just get an AI. And we give the AI guns like in that movie uh, – uh, we give the AI nukes, uh, Colossus, the Forbidden project
2: mm-hmm. project. Yep.
0: Anybody doesn't do what the AI says gets nuked or droned or something. Mm. Right. But uh, <laughs> I can get behind that because we've tried the humans in charge and mm. it's not, it's not working for us. Yeah. We got to try something else. Mm. And I, I do believe the guillotine AI might go too fun. far. Yeah. So it's, I, you have to argue me away from the guillotine party into the AI party. And Set the parameters for the debate Don't let the Dems and Repubs And whoever you got down there uh, Set the parameters for the debate
2: Hmm Yeah
0: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would vote party Pirate or communist But they're not available in my writing I have to vote for uh, The wishy-washy weak, weak guys Who never win federal election Have never formed hmm. a government Damn. How are we going to change that's
1: things? The, the, if you can't form a government, yeah, yeah. A guillotine. I mean, the, the I other mean, horrible yeah. option yeah. is vote for somebody who might get elected, but is less. Well, that's what I've been doing.
0: Option. I've been doing that for yeah my whole adult life. Every every vote has been this way, and they they form governments in the province, but never in the in the whole country. Mm. And they're not that gra- uh, they're good, but they're not that great in the province either. They don't, they're not like hard asses, you know? Mm. And I, I, I understand maybe a lot of people don't want them to be hard asses because most people aren't paying attention that closely. But we kind of need a hard ass, right? A, co- a compelling person who can bring people to the right place. Get on for, you know, remember when Trump got, um, Kicked off of Twitter right before he was—he was still president. Yeah,
1: the, <laughs> kicked off Twitter. He—he
0: he yeah. was literally kicked off Twitter right for doing the January sixth insurrection yeah. thing that turned out to be actually run by the cops, as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just another one today. You probably didn't hear about it, but they there's a funny uh, guy following twitter uh <laughs> he posted a picture of these are all cops and <laughs> you see them and they're all wearing the same watch they're all wearing different shorts but they all have the same haircut and they're all cops right <laughs> standing around the undercover cops uh, at this insurrection thing that they were hoping would be a thing so that they could have something to do um and justify their uh, thing getting inflated anyways um oh shit i i, I derailed myself there uh I, I don't know where I was going. Sad story. Scott, um, I don't know we'll, we'll- Utah State, so we should probably be done. Okay, cool, good. On so, Silmer so on cool. the thirtieth you know, of what? October thirty first. Thirty first for you, I think. Thirtieth for me, because it's the eighteenth okay. here today. So it should be the nineteenth for you today, right? September nineteenth. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. You're one day ahead. And uh, yeah, that'll work. I'm looking
1: forward to that one. Cool. Awesome. All right. alrighty. righty. Talk to you later. I'm going to head off. Good. Yeah. Good for chatting. Have a good one. You too. Bye bye. All
0: This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. Hello.
1: Hey, how's it going? Good morning or evening? <laughs> I think evening.
0: <laughs> Afternoon. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. Cool. You, yeah. you just scattershot it there. Yeah, saying. pretty much. <laughs> Time signs just in my head, and so <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: I was just telling Scott um, I'm going to record a show with Connor, who's both upside down and in the future. Yeah, it's, none it's of wild. these are lies. Isn't that amazing?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but me, From I'm living in the, in the past, right side up. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) You can have one or the other You can't have both Uh,
0: I Um, need to get somebody from the equator
2: Just lying around on their
0: side all the time
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Even when they're they're um, lying down
1: Evan would be close to the equator If he's in Taiwan, right?
0: mm, It's not that close, I don't think But more importantly, he's he's in uh, Wisconsin, I think now
1: yeah, he said he was with his dad. Yeah, I he's think, doing uh, his birthday last time. today.
0: Yeah. Ah, cool. Uh, his dad's birthday, um, mm. I think. He's taking him to a baseball game. Typical Evan move.
1: Oh, yeah? <laughs> a typical American move as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's, he, he is very American. It's it's pretty funny. He's it's very not American as well, but also very
1: American. Yeah, in the... Uh, I, yeah, I um, meant to
0: uh, have time to. I forgot you had a um, uh, another YouTube channel. I, I don't think I've ever watched the motorcycle one.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that was um, that's a. Uh, it's pretty much dead. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I haven't posted anything. Okay. Uh, I can still but, watch um, old. Content. That was my. F- yeah, for sure. I was I was considering taking it down. No, but. Um, I w- but even if I did, I would want to um, like get all my videos off it because I yeah. put so much time into it. Oh, no,
0: don't take um, it down. Just leave it up and 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 also take your yeah, no. videos, download your videos on.
1: Yeah, because
0: you know there's sh- gonna be some other place you need to put them once they find them problematic. Now that you live in a <laughs> uh, dystopian hellhole, oh my God, what's going on, man?
1: With this app? Is that what you're talking about? Uh,
0: in, in Australia, it's oh. like going under uh, martial law.
1: <laughs> it
2: seems oh, like. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. And like, well, the, there's a new alliance yeah, but... between uh, Australia. Oh, like, not that there wasn't oh. one before, but basically, it's <laughs> like Australia's. France is, is withdrawing its ambassadors from both uh, Australia and the United States because they're mad about some
1: these uh, nuclear submarines
0: yeah nuclear sub <laughs> it's like you need to buy oh, our man. nuclear weapons no you need to buy our nuclear weapons we love you more australia
1: yeah it seems like it um and uh i mean china's upset as well because they get up they get very upset with um well yeah a lot of anytime there's anything with, Amer- with america and australia or or australia and anybody going on
2: yeah. there's
1: a <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know accusations and uh, a lot of saber rattling
2: mm-hmm. and that sort
1: of stuff. It's so, um, but I did find out about that app. You, um, I remember you sent me um, a one Rumble. Uh, oh no, I was thinking of the um, the COVID app where you had to take a picture of your own face and oh, stuff yeah. like this. Yeah, so I was um, surprised because, like, the difference in media. Mm-hmm. is sometimes you like uh you will see uh the coverage of Australia that's in America sure. and then the coverage that's in Australia of Australia are, are pretty different oh yeah um uh so yeah, you anyway, know, but that app was pretty interesting um I don't think it's gonna go anywhere but no. <laughs> uh,
0: they they float uh, all sorts of ideas they say, hey hey, will you accept this huh huh, huh? Will you accept this? And they're like,
1: no. Yeah, possibly.
0: <laughs> and then other times, well, like, yeah, whatever. We don't care.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Lock us um, down forever, please. I'd, yeah. Well, that one was uh, – I thought what was interesting about that was I would probably go for it just because it was for people who were um, – who uh, have COVID and need to quarantine, right? Um, and up until now, you've had to do that in a hotel because they essentially – put you under like uh house arrest yeah right yep of like you you can't go anywhere and uh so i haven't known anybody who's um been in quarantine for having covid but i've known people who had to do the couple of day quarantine when they get back from overseas
0: yeah evan's gonna be in in for 15 days when he goes to taiwan
1: oh my god in a hotel Um, down the street from where his his family lives crazy yeah and does he have to pay for it it. 1500
0: bucks us he said
1: yeah yeah it's um it's insane i mean that's not that bad um uh i suppose taiwan's cheaper but um but like people i've known who have done it is like it's it's like financially crippling like they've just had to pay to go overseas um for like an emergency and they come back and they're also hit with this like thousands of dollars yep. to just even uh, get back into the country um, and get quarantine stuff. And there's so, also not yeah. a
0: lot of clarity, right? Like it's not like there's an easy no. phone line to find out what you need to do. My boss was asking me, because my mom's like into politics, right? He says, does your mom know mm-hmm. anything about how uh, whether students will be allowed in from Korea uh, on this date? I'm like, uh, I don't think she does because I don't think the Who government knows? <laughs> knows, you know, no. And, and it's a federal responsibility kind of, but it's also provincial restrictions. So it's like, um, it's a stress test and everybody's failing.
2: Yeah.
1: It's a, uh, well, you realize how just uncoordinated everything is. Um, and, uh, and how much just infighting is also goes on with people wanting different restrictions like, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: all these, all these states in Australia, right? They, um, they all have their different rules, but now it's sort of like, it's almost like this, uh, France being angry with Australia and, mm-hmm. uh, and America. It's like, if you do something, I'm going to be upset and be angry. And then I'm going to, uh, you know, stop, uh, anybody from going over there and stuff like that. Um, and it's just like, wow, you guys work together. <laughs>
0: This is this, this is, is the true. one I saw today uh, from Caitlin Johnson
1: um, mm. or Johnstone. Um,
0: it's got a, uh, a couple Australian cops pepper spraying uh, what, what could be a guy or a lady. I don't know. They're so covered in stuff; it's hard to was say. This, was this um, at an from- anti-mask protest? Maybe I'm not sure. But they—the yeah. video shows this person being pushed down, you know, head hits the ground, and then two cops start spraying away. Oh and it's God. like, I'm like, oh yeah, the guy's not the guy who's spraying this anti-mask person, uh, theoretically anti-mask person, is like not wearing his mask. It's on his chin. <laughs> yeah, cops don't need to wear their mask while assaulting people.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's it's a. Uh vigorous exercise assaulting people yeah we had this we have the rule that if you're like vigorously exercising like jogging you don't need to wear a mask though. oh my god um <laughs> so i guess that could go no. no that's um yeah the protests were pretty ugly i just remember somebody punched a horse which oh was um everyone was very upset about <laughs> that horse didn't do anything, but uh, it wasn't wearing horse. a mask either. A police horse yeah. is that why? Yeah, a, po- a police horse. Sorry, well, you know, um, <laughs> not just any horse. <laughs>
0: they are used. I mean, yeah, the horse isn't isn't in charge, but the horses are. Uh, you know, that's a leftover from cavalry tactics, right? The reason you have, Oh, which is yeah, you, it's 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 to break up uh, infantry, which is what protesters are.
1: Oh yeah, and and why? Because people won't hurt a horse. No, no, it's it's literally like you've got a a, a line of of
0: infantry and you attack and them you using cavalry, right? That's how, through
1: with the horse. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
0: You come at you come at them, and the horses will run over whatever's underneath, right? So yeah. it's it, it, they're trained to yeah. do that, and that's why there's. I mean, that's what the RCMP was, right? Is a it's a cavalry unit that's named. Uh, mm. You know, a police force, but it was a paramilitary force. It still is, right? You can't, you can't quit. You have to apply for a quit because it's, it's, and you know, there's certain rules that it's like, uh, during a time of emergency, you can't quit at all. It, you know, it, it is a paramilitary force, which is, it's, you know, it's hard to think about it that way when they, you know, they're also giving you uh, parking tickets and stuff, but, um, that's what
1: they're (laughs) for. We don't want to think about it that way. No, <laughs> no, <a> parking ticket. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty scary. Um, yeah, it is. But uh, that's not what we're here to discuss, or is it? <laughs> uh, well, I, we may if we talk about capitalist realism. Yeah, we, we may get into. Uh, I think that. we should. Uh, uh,
0: I also tracked down and started listening to um, a uh, audio essay that's
1: mentioned on Vanishing Land. That's yeah, the
0: that's the one. Did you ever hear that?
1: No, because I I looked it up mm-hmm. and it was on Bandcamp for yep. like thirty bucks, and I was like, oh, man, for forty-five minutes, thirty bucks for forty-five minutes. Yeah, it's a it's a know. very
0: expensive. And uh, the other thing is, I started I actually sent it to you uh, earlier today, but um, yeah, it's it's got uh sort of poor sound quality, not that that's mm. uh, you know ruinous, but also adding in music, which you know. I'm all fine with audio essays. You know, it's called a podcast. <laughs> I'm good yeah, with it. Yeah. But um, the, uh, treating it like a boutique item makes me uh, like it less. I just want to read the text and, and or experience mm. the thing they want me to experience. But, you know, well, having maybe, it, maybe I'm misunderstanding
1: it. Yeah. Having not heard it yet, I think it was more so uh, meant to be a musical project yes. than that then somehow morphed into a sort of audio essay, sort of like artsy experience
2: mm-hmm. Very um, artsy. that's
1: meant to evoke uh, feelings of eeriness, mm. uh, I suppose. Yeah. it's so, Mitch,
0: um, He talks about it quite a bit in either one or both books. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm going to be conflating a lot of them if if, you, mm. if we want to start.
2: Uh, if, yeah. Okay. So. And if
0: we don't, um, I, I want to talk about scheduling this Solmer. uh, one because I don't think that's on the schedule, and um,
1: cool. I want to I want to yeah, talk that's... about that one,
0: whether it's eerie or that's weird.
1: <laughs> not... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which um, it should be an interesting way to break it down. Yeah. Um, okay. And I also
0: I also don't so... want to tell you about my idea for a story based on that uh, one. Oh yeah, yeah. It's really okay. Cool. Set in the Black Sea uh, on the island off the coast of uh, Romania, that I think. One of the Greek gods is from, or it's also it's also in the. um, No, it's it's a very obscure island, but um, uh, city of iron. Stat, you know, remember that uh, Conan story with iron statues, black iron Iron statues, devil
1: devil and iron. No,
0: not the devil and iron. It's um, there's a. It's like a. Yeah, I. It's um, uh, shadow, Iron Shadows in the Moon, I think it's called.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, anyways, that uh, it's kind of similar to that island. It's also in, um, the I want to say it's the Jason and the Argonauts Skeletons movie. I think is that that what's called? It's not called,
1: it's the one with the skeletons. (laughs) Uh, I I know the one you're talking about. It's an older movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on Netflix
0: not that long ago, but uh, yeah, stop. uh, Jason, I think it's called Jason and the Argonauts.
1: Mm. Oh, Clash of the Titans? Is that no, no? It's way older than that.
0: Yeah. Although that is the end. The first Clash of the Titans is the end point for that um, that series of movies, um, which is interesting because I didn't know that. I saw Jason and the Argonauts uh, maybe in theater but it was a rerun whereas I think I saw mm-hmm. Clash of the Titans when it came out um, okay yeah it, 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 this is the right movie um, they, they go to uh, an island off in the black you know that uh, Jason and the Argonauts is a search for the golden fleece right mm-hmm. and that's where the golden fleece is in the top right hand corner of, um, of uh, the black Mediterranean sea, the black sea Right. It's out, out of the Mediter- Mediterranean through the uh, the Straits of uh, Turkey and up into Rus- Russian territory almost. Mm. but But, um, yeah, there's some really cool islands in there. I'm a big island fan. And uh, that one, I can't remember the name of the island, but it has an awesome backstory. And there was, like, I was doing research with a student on it, and there was, like... Um, uh, Nazis were there during World War II to taking over from Romania I think uh, it, and it's changed possession quite a few times this island but
1: it's a very mm. interesting Does it have people on it? Like
0: I think it's more? very minimal because it's yeah. um, it's not full of resources but it does have Roman or ancient Greek ruins I think it's ancient Greek ruins or pre-Greek ruins on it as well Ooh. which is yeah, very, cool, very cool but that's not what we're here to talk about, exactly.
1: No, we're here so, to talk about yeah. weirdness and eeriness.
0: So uh, you want to start with that?
2: Do the formal yeah, sure. Starts? Um, okay.
0: I think I think no one else is joining us. Everybody else is bailed. Yep. Which is actually cool. good. As long as there's as long as there's two people, it works. If there's zero people, it doesn't work. Or if there's just Jesse, it does not work. Yeah, well, you know, I get by with one person. (laughs) Yeah, but but that's a completely different format, right? Mm. It doesn't spark in the same way.
1: No, bouncing ideas between people is the way to go. I
0: I mean, uh, Uh. there's, uh, you know, poetry is wonderful, and I want to read it, but it's different than um, a writer's room sort of style of thinking, or Mm. what I would think of as a classroom style of thinking. Uh all right. Yeah, let me think of. Uh, just check the schedule, make sure we're not missing anybody. Yeah, Connor, Will, and Evan, and Will and Evan are out, so that's that's you and me. Here we go. On mm-hmm. um, uh, my recording's already going. Don't use the one that's built into Skype, please.
1: It breaks my recording. I've discovered. No, I think I'm using I'm using one of this MP3 Skype recorder. Perfect. I think it's the one that you recommended. That's so I got yeah. that going as well. I got. Um, is my audio? Well, yeah, you, audio beautiful. Wonderful. Right. Okay.
0: Terrific. Okay, I have not pulled up any resources. Let me just type in Mark Fisher. I know a little bit about him, but I, I don't want to have things on hand in case I I get queries. Yep. <laughs> Eric will always query me like I have to do my homework with Eric. He'll say, "Hey Jesse, why don't you tell us about the biography of this person?" Like, fuck, if I hadn't have done that work, it would have been like a uh, big silence, you know?
1: Whoops. Oh. He was a guy. Yeah, while we're doing that, though, <laughs> let me also.
0: Why did I type um, in Mike Fisher? That's weird. Mm, it's Mark, right? Yeah, Mark. I don't Mark. know why I typed that in.
1: I just want to check when this book was published.
0: I believe it was uh, 2009, which is, or was it? No, one of the ones <laughs> 2009, no. to 2017.
1: Okay. Yeah, this one's weird and era seventeen is 2017, mm-hmm. um, I believe. Yep. That sounds right.
0: Oh, d- damn. He died in t- 2017.
1: That's something we might uh, talk about. Um, that's that's kind of eerie was... if,
0: you, if, if you think about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> now you're supposed to say save it for the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, save it for the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I think this was 2018. Uh, I got his 2018. 2018. So I'm
0: too th- good to start here, I think. All right. You ready? Yep,
2: I'm ready. Check my recourse working.